Welcome everyone to the 10th episode of Friday Nightmares. I am one half of your hosting team this evening, Heather Powell, coming to you from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and I am joined by Scott Crawford, coming to you from Swartz Creek, Michigan, on this beautiful day, but holy crap, episode 10, we have made it. Our first milestone. Yay! Well, and originally the ironic thing is Scott and I planned on recording once a month. Never were, so we, this should be like October. Yeah. <laughs> if we had continued with our, our regular scheduled program. But um, I think it's good that we're going to be able to cover more ground now than we would have previously if we had just done once a month. This topic for episode 10 will be survival horror, and we're going to give you a guide to surviving by the Friday Nightmares because Scott and I are for sure avid outdoor people, so you definitely want to get your notebook out and uh, follow all the advice that Scott and I have to give. I'm sure you'll be able to survive any horror situation that you find yourself in, in the wilderness. I mean, yeah, we are, we are like, like the survivalists, like that, that's totally us. All you know, if you follow my Instagram and you see all the Starbucks pictures and the Kate Spade and my dog, my pictures of my dog and the food that I order out that I don't even cook for myself, you can see that I am a true survivalist that, uh, you know, shit goes down. <laughs> I for sure will be able to handle myself. You know, I've always thought about in a horror movie, and this isn't a slasher or anything, but I've always thought in a horror movie, would I survive? I don't I don't know if I would. Or I would be that character that you think was going to die and got seri seriously injured and survived, but I don't know if I'd be the final girl. Like, I think I'd be that fake-out final girl, and then I'd get killed or something, you know? Yeah, I've, I've always thought that, too, and, like, I, I'm, I already know I'm screwed if it entails me running away from the killer, because my bad knee so I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's like the wounded animal that gets left behind in the pack just to like fend off the predator yeah, scott just drops down and takes it he's like you know what we'll just make it easier why don't we just get this done and here, over with here let me just get comfy and laid down let here me, for a bit can you uh, not do anything to my face i i don't want anything done to that that'd be really great if you could take care of that but i guess how have you been scott how are things going in sports creek are things coming around opening up oh yes they are uh my uh, roommate and I ended up just going out to dinner uh, Monday night, my first time adventuring out to the restaurant bar scene and got ourselves an outdoor, sat on the outdoor patio and ate some great food. I had a big old glass of beer. Nice. Felt, still felt a little strange because, yep, they do the social distance, distancing thing. So there's like tables between us that no one can sit at and our servers coming up to us with masks on and stuff like that. But yeah, I, it's, least nice to be able to get back out and feel somewhat normal again well and support business right like yes yeah. it's, it's really nice for that where our bars um in this area so i live in Waterdown, which is a part of hamilton it's a small community i just don't say water down because i feel like no one knows where that is anyway um but we will be opening bars by this Friday, Saturday. So Scott and I were pre-gaming before we started recording and uh, I will be going out both nights um, and 
drinking on a patio. And of course, I'll be getting home safely for anyone who's concerned. And of course, and, an episode doesn't go by without Heather talking about drinking. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm a good time, Scott. Um, you are. People you like are. it, you know? I And also, like, note to the kind compliments that we have got about our podcast, whether people sharing that they're listening to us or um, just giving us positive feedback on our Facebook, even if it's the way I pronounce, pa- I pronounce pasta, um, which I love. Thank you, Gary Hill. Um, <laughs> Gary Hill of Cinema Beef, by the way, um, and two drink minute, true drink minimum commentary as well. If you want to check those out on the Legion pa- Podcast Network, um, yeah, it's been really nice that people have had that to say. So I think people like hearing about my drinking and making out and um, other well, and apparently, things that I do. And apparently, my sexual adventures. <laughs> yeah, well, Scott, maybe you should share more about that. We'll see. We'll save that for other episodes. We can uh, We don't want to give up the goods too early here on Friday night. No, not at all. I mean, you got you got to tease a little bit to lure them in. <laughs> That's right. Yes, because Scott is so good at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's his that's his skill actually he was at that bar teasing all the certain rears and being like hey nice mask no 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 scott that's not that kind of teasing that's not the kind of teasing that you do <laughs> but this bar you were at or, ho- or hotel it's haunted isn't it like it's a it's it's kind of horror related it's a haunted yeah. place yeah it was called uh the fenton hotel it's about 35 minutes from my house and it was the first time i've ever been there we were planning on going someplace else but the uh, wait was over an hour so we said screw it let's try to find someplace else and found the fenton hotel and yeah the place apparently is one of the like famous haunted buildings in michigan and was built in 1856 wow that's really cool yeah and it's really cool architecture and got like uh like the got like these really cool designs on the inside like tin tin uh like etchings all over the walls and like it's really old school and yeah, very, uh, very historic, historical in that part of town. That's awesome. I um, I went out too. I had to go to Barrie, which Barrie, Ontario, for my American friends is about two hours north of where I live, just outside of Toronto. Um, she had to have a medical procedure. And for some random reason, we had to go to this hospital in Barrie, like talk about the most random place you could possibly have to go to. Right. And patios are open there. You know, so right at 1130, her and I were at the patio ordering alcoholic drinks because that's how we roll. Um, <laughs> and it was really nice. Like it was and it's beautiful there. You can see um, mostly Canadian shields. So you look out and it's just the trees and the mountains. Well, nice. Hills. We don't have mountains like it's Canada or at least it's Ontario. Mountains are out in B.C. Um, but yeah, it was it was very nice. So it's nice to see that normality coming back. Borders are still closed till the end of July. I was actually just talking to my buddy who's a borders officer today. Um, so yeah, so we'll probably be a while before I'm back in the States again, or before Scott can make a visit over here, but at least we're getting back to being able to leave the house again and being in groups of more than, in Ontario now we can be in groups of up to 10. Um, so it's getting, you know, a little more looser and a little bit more easygoing. And that's always nice to see because, you know, it's been a long time and it was that I realized, uh, cause I got like a comment or something on my, one of my Facebook pictures from when we went to Astronomicon. And it said that this was posted 18 weeks ago. I'm going, holy crap, it's been 18 weeks since we hung out last already. Well, or the, how the world has changed in 18 yeah, weeks. Yeah, like, like let's insane. You know, not even from when we hung out. Like, the world isn't even the same. And that's okay. 
you know, it's okay to grow, it's okay to change. And I'm just happy that servers and other other people can back back to work. And a couple times yes. this week, I brought this up and people laugh at me, but I've wondered what exotic dancers are doing. Yeah. And, you know, I... <laughs> And I know that it's a funny subject and people would be like, oh, but but really, what are they doing? Like, I'm sure they're doing cam girling or I don't know what the gentlemen are doing, but that must be really tough when you work in the entertainment hospitality industry. So hopefully things are going to start to loosen up there too. And everyone can get back to work and everyone can start making an income because we need people to do that, right? So Exactly. And yeah, like the whole stripper thing, uh, the exotic, exotic dancers. dancer. Exotic dancers. Scott. <laughs> but uh, no, like the, I was wondering about that myself. I'm like, I wonder how they're handling all of this right now. And apparently uh, they're not even allowed to be open yet because they're considered clubs. So the clubs is a different phase in Michigan. So that hasn't, they haven't had a chance to be open yet. Yeah, I think the I think the same in Canada. Like we're just allowing bars for patios right now until the state of emergency is lifted. Hopefully at the end of June, uh, at least in Ontario anyway, um, which is fair. You know, like obviously in <clears throat> exotic dancing, there is, does involve some touching if you are looking to make more money as an exotic dancer. So obviously right. you would need to take precautions there. But um, you know, all joking aside, no matter what anyone's profession is, I hope that people get back to safely getting back to work and making money it's a very stressful difficult time for people so anyway oh, i guess we should so sorry go ahead i'll say yeah i was just gonna agree with you i'm like it is really a stressful time for a lot of people but luckily we've been able to watch awesome movies you know i was thinking even with the theaters because there's there's you know talk now about theaters opening in the state cineplex uh which is our main theater company in canada has opened some in alberta it'll be interesting to go back into a theater like i'll be the first in line i was out on that patio like i have no shame and no fear anytime something opens heather's going to be there um you know i don't and that's me by no stance would i say other people have to do that too but i want to get back to supporting the theaters man like i want yeah. i don't want them to go out of business it does matter to me i do like the experience i don't want that to change so the moment right. i can put my hot little heather bum in a seat the moment i'm gonna be there like that's happening yeah because that's what i'm hoping for because uh, um like when the theaters open up here i don't know like what movies they'll be playing just because like you know there, no, nothing's news come out, so I'm wondering like if they're going to bring back some old school films or what. Well, I've heard that they're going to release one that you were really interested in. Oh, uh, Saint Maud. Yes. I actually did read the article on that. Yes. Forgot so, that. Um, you know, I think that's great. You know, I keep hoping and praying that Candyman's going to come out, but I can wait till 2021. Like, yeah. really, you know, first world problems here, people. Like, we got to wait an extra year for Candyman. Not the end of the world. So, right. Well, uh, I think uh, rumor has it that that's coming out in september i think is it coming it in september okay yeah, i think they pushed it to september october okay i thought they've moved it to next year they might have and i missed that article but like this was something like early on that i'd read well maybe that was spiral that they moved yeah i think it was spiral. that's what i'm thinking yeah yeah oh so many movies that got moved right yeah anyway let's um can i take this one first only because of where it was filmed oh uh, you absolutely can so becky which is a 2020 film, was filmed completely in Burlington, Ontario, Canada. So to give you an idea of where that is, I live in a place called Waterdown. Literally one of the scenes here where, um, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but they stop on the roadside and um, Kevin James is confronting a car, was filmed like down the street from my house. That like literally awesome. 10 minutes from my house. Um so it, I was pretty excited and I was able to pick out most of the places where it was filmed. That being said, outside of that, what a great movie, like Home Alone, 
on steroids with a violence and great soundtrack. I I loved it. I don't know what your thoughts were. Well, I know what your thoughts were, Scott. Yeah. I'm pretending like I don't know, but I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely loved this movie. It was such a blast, and I, I was very curious, because once I seen the trailer or seen like any talk about this film, about Kevin James being a villain, I was like, I can see this. Like this, the, he could probably pull this off. And yeah, he did a great job as just like someone you don't want to mess with. And then yeah, like Lulu he was, Wilson too. I think I think Lulu Wilson was the the highlight. To be honest yeah. with you, I think you could have put anybody. I'm sorry, in Kevin James's role, and it would have been fine. Like I thought Kevin James was fine. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think his performance made or break it. Broke it. No. I thought as a typical comedy, lighthearted family man. He did a very good job of basically becoming a Nazi, which you which you learn about within the first like two minutes of the film. He has a tattoo that indicates that he is a Nazi. Right. Um, but yeah, like wow, and and the character development in this, and how attached you get to people. And this young lady has had quite a career so far. Has um, she really? Wilson has been in a lot of horror films. Really? Well, she's been in uh, the. Uh, prequel to Ouija so Ouija's Origins or something like that I can't remember oh okay I love it she was in that um she was in Annabelle Creations I believe as well um so she's had a pretty good career for a young woman so I have a feeling we'll be seeing more from her as she continues to develop because she was great like and she fit the age too I believe she's around 15 and I kind of got the feeling that her character was about 12 and I I think that's nice when they cast characters that are close to that age. Like, it's not so ridiculous. Like, if you have, like, a 20-year-old playing a 12-year-old, it looks kind of silly. Like, at least it looked like that she was close to that age. And as well as, like, I'll be honest, I I am blinded by the fact that a lot of that was filmed up on the escarpment, uh, which is an area that is near me that is just beautiful. And it was just so cool. It is so cool to see your hometown. I grew up in Burlington, Ontario, in a movie. Yeah, that is really awesome. It, and be so close to it. And then I got mad because I'm like, this shit was filming and I had no idea that it was going down. So right. yeah, I, I know we're going to be covering it on another podcast in great detail, but it's my number three right now in my top 10 and it will stay in my top 10. Like it may not say at number three because, you know, we're still at the beginning well, midway through the year, but yeah, definitely a good movie. Yeah. Cause I think it's number four for me and nice. Yeah, it, it's just one of those films where, not only is it like just a good movie, but it's a lot of fun too. For a hor- like, it's not like one of those heavy horror films for the most part. It's just like, just you can sit down and just watch this and have a blast. Absolutely, you're hundred percent right. And yeah, the next movie that uh, we're going to talk about, we uh, are going to kind of bring up also in our main topic a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was on uh, Netflix called The Decline, which was a French Quebec film right yeah yeah you're right so it was a quebec film it was filmed in very northern quebec too like this was not a montreal film if will's listening this was definitely something that was filmed above quebec city like it was very very northern with how cold it was but yes yeah and it's all about uh the like a a survivalist camp where people are going there to just like practice their survival skills where scott and i are going to go when borders open again for sure because we are hardcore like that (laughs) and then we're going to go do parkour because that's also who we are Yes, because I am very uh, flexible and agile. I can totally do all these things. (laughs) But yeah, this movie was also like really good, had a lot of uh, great atmosphere and was very tense. Pretty much just like uh, a survivalist story that 
things just kind of go wrong at this camp. Yeah, it ends up being just like very, very tense situation. And I thought it was a really well done movie. Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed it. Um, the character development in it was fabulous. The scene that they used was great. Yet again, not not a tons of special effects, not not a lot of, you know, bells and whistles, but man, solid. Use yeah. what you have and use it well. And the more movies we watch, the more I praise this. I was speaking with another podcaster today about The Perfect Host that we had watched some time ago back in, I don't know, or A Perfect Host or whatever it was. It was the one with the Airbnb. Yep. And I was saying, you know, that movie is low budget, very low budget, but they used their money well and they used a simple concept and they built on that. And I love when films do that. I find that it just gives a realism to it. Like you watch The Client and, and what happens in that, you could see happening. Oh, for like, sure. That could go down. And to me, that is some of the scariest horror because as much as ghost stories and stuff like that are fun, there's something to be said about something that could actually happen if you were in that situation. And yeah. I just think that's really cool because as we'll get to later, we will be talking about what would we would do. No, mind you, I think I would die in all these situations, <laughs> yep. except for maybe one <laughs> or two. I might make it out, but definitely think that's to do with the cold. I don't think I would survive. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, really good film. I enjoy, I think it's number 14 or so on my list right now. Yeah, I know it's in my top 20. I can't remember where exactly, but yeah, it's definitely one that I highly recommend because Netflix has put out some just kind of like quietly been releasing a lot of these horror films. And like, I wouldn't have known about half of them if it wasn't for you, like constantly searching on Netflix and then messaging me telling me like, oh, this is on here. Check this out. And it's good because Scott and I will sometimes watch different movies and do the work for the person. So for example, I will watch a lot of the stuff on Netflix and I'll tell them like, don't bother. Because <laughs> like, right. I can watch subtitle movies during the day and those be times I'll watch one and I'll be like, yeah, man, like you're not yeah it's okay watch something else like there's other stuff out there that you can enjoy you mean i shouldn't watch jessica forever well you could if you really want to <laughs> bore yourself to, it's a good movie to fall asleep to um <laughs> i think you might enjoy that except for the french in the background but it's not too loud so maybe it will be fine for you so the next movie we watched is the source of shadows um it's an anthology film and it has 10 tales of horror from 12 visionary directors. So I guess they doubled up on some of them because it says here 12 visionary directors and 10 tales. So I guess there was some yeah. that had double directors, which I think is interesting because the stories weren't that long. No, there was like a couple that were like maybe 10, 15 minutes tops, but most of them were less than 10 minutes. Like They're... less, some, well, I think one of them was less, less than five. Yeah, like it was pretty short. There was, I think all the stories were decent. None of them were bad. Definitely some of them were better than others. Some some of them were too artistic for me. There was a cartoon one that I did not get. Yeah, that was probably like the low point for me was the cartoon part because it was just weird and I didn't get it. Yeah, I feel like it was very abstract. There's there, The first one was very interesting. The second one I really liked because I thought it was funny. Yeah, um, yep. that one was hilarious. <laughs> um, I thought it was really clever, but there wasn't really a wraparound story. No, I was, yeah, I was going to say that, that, that this is one of the first times I've ever seen like uh, anthology in quite some time where it just didn't really have a wraparound. It just was just story after story after story. Like it was almost like reading one of those uh, scary stories to tell in the dark book. Yeah. Where they're all just separate independent stories and there's no wraparound, which sometimes is fine, right? You don't. Like, to be honest, the best wraparound that I saw, that I still have, believe I've seen, besides VHS 2, is uh, All Hallows' Eve. I really oh, yeah. like that wraparound with her babysitting the kids, and then yep. 
that I thought was really well done. I didn't, other ones I find that is sometimes really, well, I guess Nightmare Cinema was fine too, but even then I felt like that wasn't really a wraparound because all the characters were involved in it. Right. Like there was no really wraparound. Like it never made sense at the end either how the main, when the one character you may have survived, may have not survived. <laughs> no idea. So either so do true. a wraparound well or don't do one at all. So I think that this is good that they went without it. But I would definitely recommend it. Let's see what I have it ranked right now. I think I, well, I have it ranked just after decline. So I'm going to say number 15. Yeah. I was like, I think my, I think I might've got it at like number 21. Mm. Like it was like right outside of my top 20. Nice. Like, it's totally worth the rental price that we paid. Like it, I highly recommend anybody checking this one out if you're into short stories or anthologies. Yeah, and I would say besides that cartoon one, and, and unfortunately because we watch so many movies, I don't remember all of the ones that we've actually seen. I think that this, I think the cartoon was the only one I didn't really care for. Like I don't remember anything else standing out as something I didn't like that yeah, I the thought others, was bad. Yeah, the others I would say were like just, okay too good hmm. and the, hmm. but yeah that that animated story one was probably just the weakest link to me for me yeah maybe other people would like it and we just didn't get it that could be right. possible oh and i guess i should talk about the next one because i don't think you saw body cam did you i did yep oh okay my bad but, go ahead uh yeah i'll say so yeah we watched uh body cam uh which has which stars mary j blige and i <laughs> believe one of her first ever acting roles which yeah i don't know if she's been to other stuff before then oh no she's been in other things she's been in some other films can do bad all by myself a lot of um african-american films oh okay yeah this is pretty much about a uh she is a cop that i think was off the force for a bit for one reason or another and came back like there was an incident with a killing of an innocent person and like the body cam was shut off or something like that and she ends up finding information on it and ends up going in a supernatural route along with the story which ends up really tying into what is happening now yeah it was a very politically heavy film and her son's killed that's what happened so her son is murdered and she's away from from work and she's obviously a very well respected police officer uh because when she comes back there's a lot of celebration and we're so happy to see you back and it really does handle police brutality and I would say corruption in the police force very well without over sensationalizing it. Yeah. You know, I watched um, a Marky Walburn film earlier this year and it was like, literally like he's a Boston cop that comes back to Boston and there's corruption and he has just, and it was so over the top sensationalized. And I feel like this was more low key of what it actually looks like. Um, yeah because the situation that occurs is heartbreaking like it's hard to watch oh it's very hard to watch i was actually just gonna say that and like the only complaint i had and it was like a minor complaint really was the ending that i seen coming like a mile away Mm, yeah i agree i agree like if you've seen most like cop dramas you've seen this pretty much storyline like at the end yeah, I agree with you. It was a pretty predictable movie. Like, I have it in my, I think in my 30s, um, which yet again, as of today, I've watched 76 movies. So that's... <laughs> Scott. Um, <laughs> he's like, well, aren't you a show off tonight, huh? <laughs> um, so, like, when you're in the 30s and out of 77 movies, that's not, you know, obviously I'm not 
you know, super high on it, but it's not a shitty movie. So I would definitely say you do need to like political films. So if you are somebody who is not, mm, it's politically burnt out right now and you, and you just can't take another, another conversation about this right now. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's okay to be burnt out. It's obviously not okay to pretend that it doesn't happen, but it's okay to be burnt out. So I wouldn't suggest that like this film for you right now, but if you are, you know, a political person, you enjoy some supernatural stuff. This is a really cool film. Yeah, I actually just looked it up and it's my number 30 on my list. Oh, that's pretty good too. So that's awesome. We're both kind of in the same area. Yep, and I've seen, what was it, 74 because I'm two behind you. No, I'm, I'm up to 77 now, so you're three behind me. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. And that's the furthest they make made it in their Friday Nightmares episodes. Yep, I, I can't stand I can't stand you being ahead of me. I'm done. That's it. I know. It's all these foreign films I watch when Scott can't watch them. It, it is um, true. But one film we did watch together. <laughs> oh, this one. Oh my god. Shutter. Oh man, it's called The Confessional. <laughs> and um, you know, they tried to make it like a Blair Witch Project, like, well, maybe it really happened. You know, maybe this is really somebody's like film that they made that they submitted and, you know, mysterious stuff happened with it. So I'll give them credit for creativity. I think there was good intentions with this film. Yeah, I will also say that the way that it was shot all pretty much in a confession booth, the entire film, like just from all different people being in a different confession booths, very clever idea. Like it, like it's literally dialogue heavy. There's nothing else, no true action. It's all just dialogue. A lot of talking. Um, it's basically watching multiple monologues for 84 minutes. Yeah, and... <laughs> like I, I have a confession to make. I have sinned because I have watched this movie. No. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, and I forgive you because I watched it with you too. Some of the acting in this was over the top. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> some things that you saw coming, you know, you you knew what was going to happen, and there was some awkward reveals in it. Like there was some actors that weren't too bad. But I felt like this was a teenage drama club that got together and chose their most dramatic actors to kind of that, put them in a film. That is the best way to describe this. Holy crap. Because <laughs> it, it, yeah. Because there's some cringy scenes, but at the same time, there's, you know, some decent acting as well, like for some up and comers. Yeah. You know, it, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't recommend it. Like, honestly, no. if someone said to me, should I watch this? I would say, unless you really have a love for monologues like a real love for monologues, then yes. But I don't think your average horror fan will enjoy this and definitely not your, you know, slasher fan or like even psychological, you can see the twist coming. Like it's not like, <laughs> it's not even a twist. Like, right. It's just, <laughs> like, I don't know. Props are trying something new. You know, hopefully everyone got their little bit of start in this, but it was just a little too over the top dramatic for me. Oh, I completely agree. It was just, meh like like i say i still uh like it for how they filmed the like pretty much being in one scene like one location mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. other than that eh, it's 
I, I can't recommend it. Like, and it's, no. it's on Shutter streaming, so it's like I, I don't even recommend you watching wasting your time on it. No, like there's other things you can watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So many better things. Like I'm trying to find it on my list, and I think it's really low. No, yeah. actually, it made it above the turning, so I guess that says something. Um, not much, I must but it does not, say something. <laughs> I must have not hated it too much in the situation, but it's still up in I think the 70s or the 60s. So yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. Well, I mean, we got to at least give mo- uh, credit to that movie just because it gave us our new nicknames on our chat page. Oh, yeah. So so, so I shared a screenshot of Scott and I's conversation with Scott's consent, just so we're clear. I took that screenshot. I sent it to him. And I said, this is funny. Do you mind if I post it? And he said, yes. I would never, ever done that without his consent. Um, but there's a guy in there named Chad. So Scott called himself Major Chad. And someone refers to himself as an unreliable narrator. And that's my nickname. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's unreliable narrator it's great like there was some lines in it that were funny and i think that's why it's a little bit higher if i remember now there was some funny one-liners um and clever stuff that was said that was very political but but good um right but not good enough for me to recommend it to anybody no so, no I, like i i like i didn't hate myself for watching it but no. it was just uh it, it it was just there. Yeah, it was just dramatic. Uh, but yeah, we can move on to one that was definitely a, a step up, and mm. that was uh, extracurricular, mm-hmm. which is about uh, and I can and I can say this without spoiling it because it's in the synopsis and all that stuff and in the trailer. But uh, it's about a group of high school kids, I believe, or college students that like to hunt and kill people. They do this as a group and try to do different things like each time they kill somebody and they like you know try to spread it out but they decide to do one more because it's coming up on halloween and wouldn't it be cool if we did this on halloween and yeah it's just a story about these killer teens young adults that have a lot of drama between themselves as well as like trying to plan this out and like they go like oceans 11 style planning with this shit too which is kind of hilarious yeah, it is interesting. And the whole concept as to why they're doing it, like, it's really well acted, really well filmed, very dark, a very dark film. And it will have an ending that will leave you angry. Yeah. So, you know, don't expect a happy ending at the end of this. It's definitely a darker one. And it takes, it's it's not even like one of those, like, the faculty or, you know, urban legends, or I know what you did last summer, where it has, like, or Scream even, where it has young people that are killers. Like, this is dark. This is probably more along the lines of funny games or hard candy, where it's just really, really dark. And you have to go into that knowing that and being prepared for a ride. You know, a ride of uncomfortableness, but some great kills, some some really good action, good dialogue, good character development, uh, good use of teenage relationships. I, I, a, lot of, a lot of praise for this one. And Scott, did we watch this on Shudder or Prime? I can't even remember now. Uh, this one was on Prime. Was it on Prime? Okay, so it's available on Prime Canada and then Prime United States as well. Yeah, and this one, yeah, there is definitely some scenes that are very heavy uh, like, and kind of hard to watch, especially towards the end. But, like, yeah, like, I agree with everything you said there with the acting and the performance, the filmmaking. It's all really well done. A lot of people will probably judge this by its cover because its cover does not seem to fit the movie all that well. Yeah. So, like, once it's one of those where you just got to ignore the cover and like dive into it. Cause this is 
a really good film for me and I think this one is in my top 20. Yeah, it's for me too. I I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed that they took a darker look and that they didn't make it another teenage goofy movie, which I feel like Confessional was. Like Confessional was trying to be serious but ended up being so gossipy and drama that you were like vomiting by the end of it. This one was just hard hitting. And 91 minute runtime, which is a perfect runtime for this film. It did not need to be longer. It was actually a film that got it just right. Yep. And and it's my number 19. Nice. Excellent. I guess it's my turn now, right? So I'm going to talk about The Occupant, which I don't think you've seen. I have not. This is one that I was waiting on your thoughts, and I think I decided against it after I heard you. Yeah, it's it's definitely a slow burn. It's called Hogar in Spanish. And the... The gist of it is there's a executive that loses his job and because of that he's forced out of his apartment that he lives in. So he lives in a very nice swanky apartment with his family and he becomes obsessed with the family that moves in. And you start off at the beginning of the movie feeling very sorry for this guy and feeling empathy for him to not feeling too much empathy for him as it goes on. So it's very slow, it's 103 minutes long so it's just almost under two hours and it's a heavy watch it it, there is no happy ending it is a depressing ending but it is a well acted well delivered well made film that speaks about the decline from the elite class to the lower class and what someone will do to get back up to that class interesting so if you really enjoy psychological horror and, and class stuff, and I'm not talking about the platform. So this isn't something that's gory and something that's going to really like, this is a could happen in real life. Okay. This could happen. Somebody could manage to pull off these things that this dude pulls off. And that is probably the most scary thing. And the lead actor is an asshole. So, props to this lead actor i'll see if i can get his name i can't even pronounce it so i'm not going to butcher it he is really good as a protagonist that turns into an egg antagonist like does an excellent job um so yeah so any of my horror lover friends out there who enjoy slow burns that enjoy spanish films and enjoy social commentary films this is for you if none of those things wet your whistle skip over it there'll be other things you can watch. Yep, I'll say that's the good thing about this year is there's always a ton of different options. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The next one we can talk about, uh, we watched this last Sunday, and that was a found footage film called Captured. I mean, ah! (laughs) Uh, Like, yeah, that's pretty much uh, Heather and I's response for, like, the first, like, two-thirds of this film. Like, it was just so... Blah. Like for an hour and 20 minutes, I kept checking the time because it felt like, oh, we're almost over. Oh, no, we're only 20 minutes in. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like it was okay. But then when that third act hit, like that's what raised it up for me. Like that third act was really awesome. I wish they would have uh, shortened the first part of the movie and extended that third act a bit more just to give a little bit more and build up the suspense more because it all kind of just was thrown at you uh with not a much not a lot of time to develop but yeah i thought this one was decent like it's i'd say it was worth like the 2.99 rental that it was 
Yeah, I I think we watched it for free though because it was actually, free on yeah, Prime. That was, yeah. yeah, that was the one that was free. I think I would have been mad if I had to pay for this. Um, the more I sit with it, the more I like it less. Really? Yeah. Um, when I say I don't like it, I, I I definitely think the acting was decent. I think the concept was good. And I think the third act is good. But it just dragged so much for me that I have a hard time recommending this movie to people. Because I don't think it's a great found footage film. No, it definitely isn't. I don't think that it's a great slasher, um, if that's even what you could call it. I think that it's an interesting concept and a great twist. That if you're very observant, you can see that twist coming. I did not, neither did Scott. Nope. So I I, I think the twist delivery is the best thing I can say about this film. Yeah. But did I think that it was super great for me? No. But if you enjoy found footage, all found footage films, if you're a found footage film fan in general, you might enjoy this. Just not my just not my jam. Yep. And I'm right there with you. Like it was like a six point five out of ten for me. Like it was like above average, but it wasn't anything like, oh, I'm gonna recommend this to everybody. But it has dropped to a five out of ten for me. Has it really? Yeah. I really just did not enjoy it. But that being said, other people might. And I, yet again, I don't shit on people's choices anyway. Right. You know, if I saw, met someone who was French who was like, oh, no, you just didn't get Jessica forever. I'd be like, okay, maybe you're French and you got it better than I do. And that's fair. But I just, I, I didn't think it did anything really well except for the twist. Yeah, I'll say that. It, and that's not enough for me to deserve anything more than a five. That's fair. Yeah, because I, I did like some of the characters. And yeah, but like it was just, yeah, it was... Like I say, if it was rental for two ninety nine, I wouldn't have been mad. But anything higher than that, yeah. <laughs> Scott would be like, "Give me my money! Yeah, I want my, my money, money back." Refund. Um, it's my right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, my right to a refund. I'll pull. I'll pull a major Chad. <laughs> yeah, pull a major Chad. So then, <laughs> the next one was the dinner party, which was like ready or not, but not ready or not. <laughs> No. Uh, first of all, it's an uncorked film. So I got to say for an uncorked film, one of the better films I've ever seen come out of their collection. I completely agree. And I, I was talking to you about this when we were watching it. And I was like, you know, this is starting to become its own little subgenre. These dinner party themed horror films. Yes, absolutely. And good acting, a good plot, a lot of character development, like two hours running time. And most of like, 45 minutes of that is character development Yep. and probably not needed. Some good, decent nudity that even myself as a straight female was like, man, girl, you're looking good. Um, acting was very decent, but I just found it uninteresting to me. It seemed to follow a trope that I don't really care for. Yep. And that's probably why, but I, I, wouldn't, I would say some people would enjoy this. Like, I don't know. I think this reminded me of Would You Rather only... No, I think it just reminded me of Would You Rather, only a slightly different version of it. Yep, without playing the game, Would You Rather, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, basically. I don't know. Would you say that's fair? Uh, it's pretty close. That's why I was saying like that dinner theme thing, because that one I would throw in the dinner theme subgenre as well, like with Ready or Not. And, but yeah, because of that uh, subgenre that's in there that you're not a fan of, I freaking loved it. <laughs> it yeah. was It's my type of movie. Uh it is a bit slow. They could have probably cut like 15 minutes, 20 minutes out of it. But like, I really did enjoy the characters and the whole uh, high society uh, 
rich people acting the way they do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and finding out like what they are doing during this dinner party it's like well this is uh disturbing and but yeah i i had a blast with this one like it's not like oh my god this is amazing it's in my top 10 but it was like i think it's in my like i think it might be my number 18 nice uh definitely is nowhere <laughs> this is where we're polar opposites i think this yeah. is in the 40s for me yeah i say i looked at your list yeah. and it's low, way lower yeah so and that's fine you know it's yet again i think for uncork though i gotta say like standing ovation on cork for yeah. you know adding this film to your roster because shit <laughs> it's pretty good like you know it's pretty high quality for uncork so you know hopefully we see more of that to come yeah i hope so too because uh a little peek behind the scenes we tried to watch another uncorked film a couple weeks oh back my god dead by dead. dawn oh we stopped god, it like so bad. 10 minutes in. <laughs> and to give you an idea of why we stopped it okay so within the opening scene this girl gets beat up by her boyfriend and it's just really uncomfortable and poorly acted and then she goes to a halloween party dressed as like red riding hood or something like that yeah some kind of and she gets picked up by this clown who's in an uber and he's talking to her and at one point he simulates that he's rubbing his penis and i was just like i can't do this scott like this is just like hor- it was horribly filmed horrible dialogue i'm like i can't sit through an hour and a half of this shit like, no. i can't i can't do it and for those of you who did you know rock on i just i just wasn't in the mood for it i'm like this is just too i've sat through too many low budget movies that i don't feel the need to sit through this one <laughs> no because we were both just talking and like oh boy that that dialogue in that beginning with everything it's just like oh this is painful to watch all right we, we can just stop well this. and even him like simulating he was getting aroused from the conversation the conversation wasn't even like it was just creepy and it was yeah it wasn't even creepy in a way that was like oh that's creepy it was like yet again it looked like it was going to turn into a porn parody at any moment and that's fine if i want to go do that i'll just watch pornhub like, right. i don't need to like, or any other site like i don't need to watch an uncork film for that so yeah just yeah just good avoid job on, that one just good job on corked with dinner party it yes. was a much better film oh it absolutely was yeah that one is definitely uh one i will rewatch like at some point maybe uh if i ever do rewatches again um yeah uh, but yeah, the next one is one that I watched, uh, and it was on uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob, uh, or Joe Bob Briggs, and it was a, they were releasing it two weeks or a week ahead of schedule before it was supposed to hit on demand, so it was like kind of like a sneak peek at the film, but that is the horror anthology scare package, which I believe we talked about on our second or third episode, like in our trailer section. Yeah, probably. I don't. I don't remember. We probably did. I just don't remember. Yeah. Like, I, I remember that you were like, okay, this looks like a, like a lot of, this looks like good jokes that I'm going to get a kick out of. And I'm going, yep, I'm hoping the comedy lands with me. And yeah, watching it, uh, I would say it's about half and half for me. Like the first half of this film was really strong. Like the wraparound is entertaining as hell. The second story is just fucking hilarious. I was just in tears laughing because it was so stupid and over the top. And like the third one was uh, funny, but you know, a little less. And then after that, it just got progressively worse with each story. And pretty much each episode or each story deals with a trope from horror. 
and that's like their focus. Oh, okay. So they use different tropes, and that's what they build their stories on. Okay. Yeah, a couple of them. I don't know what the tropes were that they were. (laughs) Oh, that's a bad sign. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But a couple of them, I'm just like, like especially that. uh, I think it was that second story. Oh my god, I was in tears laughing. Granted, I also took an edible that day, so I was. uh, It helped me. That helps, right? Oh, it was. Yeah, that one right there was totally worth watching the movie for just that like small story it was hilarious but yeah all in all i'd say um my taste in humor is very weird and odd like and wrong and wrong apparently that <laughs> compared to heathers yeah, um, right. <laughs> but it's hard to really pinpoint what i would like and what i won't like when it comes to comedy like oh my god impossible yeah even i can't okay this out. is the same dude that likes a musical that is probably like the weirdest movie I've ever sat through. <laughs> but then enjoyed Little Monsters and didn't think it was hilarious. I don't understand how we can watch these movies and his comedy taste. I, I have no idea what he will find funny. I don't even guess anymore. I say if I watch this horror comedy, I found it funny. I don't know if you'll like it. He'll be like, do you think I'll like it? And I'm like, I got no fucking clue, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's going to depend what mood you're in that day. Like... If what you had for breakfast, <laughs> where the sun is in the sky, yeah, like, say all the stars got to align. Like I have no idea what you'll find fun because my sense of humor is pretty consistent. Yeah, and like I, almost, I think I know yours pretty yeah, well. Yeah, and I laugh at everything. Like it doesn't take much to make me laugh. To be honest, as most people know, listening to I laugh at my own jokes too all the time. Right. <laughs> like and I'm I think, doing right, right now, but anyway. And I think one thing with me is uh. I, wa- a lot, I watch a lot of these by myself, so like I watch they, them by myself too, and I still yeah, laugh. but you but you crack yourself up, so it's a bit different. I don't I don't crack <laughs> myself true. up. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I you know Mickey, poor Mickey. Like sometimes I laugh so loud, and he does look at me like, "What are you doing?" Mickey's my <laughs> dog, by the way. In case people are wondering who Mickey is, I have a rescue dog that's five years old named Mick Mac. I also call him Mickey. Anyway, but yeah, I have I have no idea what you find funny. I don't even know how yeah. we got on this tangent, but I have no idea what Scott finds. It's because of Scare Package and just yeah, like I haven't family. seen Scare Package either, so I have no idea. Probably I'll watch it and find it funny. Yeah, I was gonna say like knowing uh, what I know, you'll probably enjoy this more than I did. And he'll be like, "Oh, it was really crappy," and I'll be like, "Oh man, it was great." And he'll be like, "No, it wasn't funny at all." <laughs> hey, I did say the first half was pretty good. <laughs> I need to go watch Cannibal the Musical again because that's the only thing I find funny. <laughs> and Gremlins. Gremlins two, funny. Gremlins one, a little more tired. All right, Gremlins two. That's right. Uh, and then I guess yeah, the next one is one that I seen today, um, and it's called The Bone Box, and it's on Shutter. Meh. <laughs> meh, meh. That's actually new writing on the show. Meh, meh. <laughs> meh, meh. It's just, yeah. It was generic ghost story. Um, had a cool idea because it was about a dude that's struggling for cash and ends up getting himself in trouble with a loan shark and he needs to make money. So he starts robbing graves. And then the items that he takes from these graves the ghosts are haunting him. <laughs> that sounds funny. I was like, it's kind of a cool concept, but uh, just it was an hour and 35 minutes and I was bored the whole time and just didn't care. Like it was just, it was shot really well, acted really well, but the story just was not there for me. Aww. So I, 
if you're a big ghost, haunted house ghost fan type person, I recommend it. But this was not. This definitely was not my film for sure. Well, Scott, I just want to give you an update. I'm up to 78 movies actually. Oh, look at you. <laughs> just in case you were, in case you were wondering. I think I lied. I think I might be at 76. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I actually have no idea what Scott's number. <laughs> okay, 75. Okay, so you're three behind. Okay, good. Ooh, okay, good. Um, so I numbers up. <laughs> I know, right? No matter what crap I have to watch. So I watched uh, two movies today, and I actually don't have one on here, so Scott's going to get to be surprised. I watched To Your Last Death, which is an anime film, and um, or an animation. I shouldn't say anime, animation film. It's, you know, I listened to the Fresh Cuts on this, and they said that the anime was, or the animation wasn't the best, and they're right. It kind of looks like stick figures. Like, yeah, it does. Often, it's very... Uh, across the screen. Yeah, very stuttery. Yeah, but it was, it was a decent little watch. Like, I enjoy uh, cartoons. I do. I'm a big Transformers fan. I have the box set of Beast Wars. I enjoy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joes. Um, I like adult cartoons. I enjoy Rick and Morty. <laughs> that show's really funny, actually. Um, I enjoy Bob's Burgers. I enjoy um, South Park. I'm a big fan of, of all that stuff. So animation is, is good for me. And I have watched anime, but the real popular anime stuff, I haven't got any into the, to the deeper, better probably anime. I would say if you enjoy animation, this is a great film. If you really don't like animation, I, I think the animation is so poor that it will annoy you. Or if you're a very like specific animation that you like, you may not like it. But it was entertaining. 91 minutes. The voiceover by Ray Wise was awesome. The you know, cartoon kills in this were great. The way the story developed was really, really cool. And yeah, I would say it's worth a rental if you like animation. You have to like animation, and if you don't, you're not going to enjoy this. Yeah, and because I've, I was telling you, I've watched about half of this movie in like chunks because it was on that Horror Hound Film Festival. Yes. And it was on a Friday night and I was uh, just doing stuff around the house. So I was missing scenes and stuff like that, but I had it on in the background and I need to sit down and watch the rest of it. Cause I did like what I see or I did like what I seen. And like, it seems like a film that I would enjoy like watching from beginning to end. So it's I think you I would like it. I, it's not a comedy. So I feel no. confident in stating that you'll probably like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other film I watched today was warning. Do not play. It's a South uh, Korean film. And it's a ghost story. It's very similar to an urban legend like The Ring. Oh, okay. Now, I am not a South Korean film connoisseur. I've seen a handful this year. It's better than the other one I watched. Um, zero megahertz or something like that. Or Oh, yeah, 0, 0.0 megahertz. Zero megahertz. This one, I would say, is probably better. Basically, it's about a struggling director that finds a found footage of a film... And this film is not supposed to be shown and blah, blah, blah. Like it, it does kind of go off the realm a little bit and not make tons of sense. But I thought it was a decent watch. And I thought for a ghost story, it was better than The Turning. And it was better than the remake of The Grudge 2020. So when the bar is that low, <laughs> it's not hard to hip hopscotch over it. So if you enjoy... Um, any of, I would say, any South Korean ghost story, you will enjoy this. But if you have a very 
high taste in in south korean films perhaps you will not i found it entertaining i thought the acting was good it's an 85 minute watch it's pretty quick it is subtitled so you need to be paying attention and it is on shutter so it's on shutter canada and i'm gonna assume shutter united states yep. but you never quite know oh it is yeah because it's, it's one know. of those that i was uh it was the one i think we were talking about watching that for our second film on sunday last week but we ended up going with the dinner party yeah we should have just watched this well, no, you would, you probably will like the dinner party more. I liked this more than dinner party, but yeah. Um, but yeah, this yeah. is one I definitely want to check out. Uh, once again, just add it to the uh, international films that I need to watch this year that I just haven't got around to yet. Poor Scott, like fucking Christmas to New Year's Day, he's going to be watching international films. Right, because it's not like I have a lot of time to watch movies like that. Oh my it's goodness. All been during work lately. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and someone's been socializing and getting out and enjoying the enjoying the nice weather, right? Yeah, say so now that summer is here and we can kind of do stuff, yeah, I can't help but like visit people. He's like, I can't help but clean my house and do other things besides watch movies. Preach it, my friend. Preach it, my friend. So, I guess yeah, that was. Should... Oops, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'll say, but yeah, that was the end of our 2020 list, and we were gonna jump into our older films. So I'm really glad Scott explained that for all of us. Oh, Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm just kidding, Scott. That's Poor it, Scott. He's dropping his head down, and he's disheartened and stuff. And Slenderman's walking in the background. <laughs> so we do this quiz week, weekly trivia night. And one day, Scott's roommate walked by, and people call him Slenderman because he's so tall. So now all I can think of is that Scott lives with Slenderman. But anyway. <laughs> um, I watched The Void, and I watched this partly because uh, it's a Canadian film, and also that it was recommended from Exploding Heads, and uh, just do whatever they say. So, <laughs> just trying to win that date with Brendan Arlick, you know. Between I got rough, I got tough competition now with Scott. Yeah, I'll say I, I, I'm I'm gonna get that date. Uh, and the worst part is, I don't know who Brandon would conf- would prefer, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, anyway. we're both pretty sexy. It's well, yeah, a toss-up. You got that beard, and I don't know. I don't have any facial hair. So <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, you know, it started off really strong. And this, I will start off right now. This is a good movie. Okay, this is an excellent film. I think if you enjoy Lovecraft, you're really going to like this movie. And I like two-thirds of this movie. It got really Lovecrafty and out there at the end, and that just lost it for me. It does not mean it's a bad movie. Just means that it is confirmed that I do not like Lovecraft. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because I was telling you, like, if you didn't like this one, then yeah, that's most Lovecraft stuff. You won't like. It won't connect with you. And I know it's not supposed to make sense. It's supposed to be like a nightmare that you can't wake up from. And I get those things. It's just not the Heather language. It just doesn't connect with me. Doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It just is not my jam. But major respect for how it was filmed, how it was acted. You know, it flowed well. It was very interesting. I just, I just could not buy into it. So I guess take that as it is. Yeah, because this one was my, this will tell you the complete difference for us. Uh, The Void was my number one film of 2016. Yeah, I don't, I would give it respect. It would probably be number 20 for me. Like, yeah, if I, I think, like, I would give it respect because it's a good movie. It's just, I don't, I don't like this Lovecraft stuff. No, I say it's just not your jam. Like, it just, you know, and I try so hard. It's like Saw. You know, I hear people praising Saw and I'm like, why don't you like those movies, Heather? 
and I don't hate them. Like I would watch Saw over The Void. <gasps> yeah, I would. All right, this this podcast is over. That that's it. Well, at least we made it to episode ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's not bad. It's not a bad film, as I said. Just not my, not for me. Now, did you want to go next, or did you want me to just keep going? Um, yeah, I'll go next. Uh, I ended up watching one called uh, Eden Lake from hmm. two thousand and eight. Not knowing this had uh, Michael Fassbender in it, so that was a nice surprise. Cool. Uh, but yeah, it's about a uh, couple that uh, go away on vacation to this uh, remote beach on a lake. And while they're out there relaxing, there's these punk teenagers that show up and are just being obnoxious and rude and uh, staring at his wife while mm. she's in their bikini. And their dog is like unruly and running over and barking in their faces and taking a shit like right next to them and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like. And then... They, you know, he goes and has a talk with them, and they make fun of him, and they eventually just leave. And then he, I think they go into town for something, and he sees their bikes, and he's still pissed off with the way they acted towards him. So he, like, starts messing with them, and then it just goes back and forth, back and forth between these, like, the gang of kids and uh, these two. And, well, eventually, the, the gang of kids just start doing some very mean stuff, and it just ends up being, like, a vicious uh, hunt through the woods. That sounds scary. Yeah, like, you don't want to mess with these kids. They were, like, probably, like, late teenagers, but they were, like, they almost acted like they were in a gang. They're in a Northern Ontario gang. That's what happens when you go to Northern Ontario. Yeah. Better be careful when I'm up in there in Wasaga Beach in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't want to be messing uh, with no gangs. Yeah, this one I thought was all around well acted. Uh, some very uncomfortable scenes because of the violence. Yeah. And yeah, this was a really good tense film like i highly recommend this one awesome yeah it sounds cool i've seen it uh i think a couple of times on netflix or prime or somewhere one of the streaming services and i just haven't got around to watching it so i'm glad to hear that it's it's decent yeah i think you would really like it yeah it doesn't sound lovecraft so i probably yeah, would exactly <laughs> um another one that i watched was a 2018 film called hashtag follow me which yet again talks about the evils of social media basically it follows three youtube stars on a trip and of course they end up getting stalked and you know for a found footage film this was actually really good like i really enjoyed how they did this found footage film it's a british film and it was really really enjoyable i don't want to give too much away but you almost feel like you're watching somebody's vacation oh really like, yeah like they did such a good job and the actors did such a good job of being candid and in the moment and kind of just going with the flow that i really felt like i was just watching somebody's vacation and that's that's really cool because of what happens in it. Uh, the three young ladies in it are very pretty. There's also some good-looking gentlemen that show up in it as well. And it gets dark. And when it gets dark, it gets very dark. And they also try to do this thing where maybe it's real. Maybe it really happened. Which uh -huh. I always find a little, like, overdone and stupid now. Like, it was cool when the Blair Witch did it in 1999. It's not so cool in 2020. But... <laughs> You know what? That's fine. Um, but yeah, I definitely would say, I can't remember where I watched it. I want to say Prime, but I don't really fully remember. I think it must have been Prime because it, it doesn't seem like it was on Shutter. So yeah, I would recommend checking it out. Yeah, might be one I'll have to check out at some point because that seems like something I would be interested in. Yeah, yeah. Good looking ladies, good looking guys. A trip through LA. I think you'll love it. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> That's all Scott wants. Just no comedies. Yeah, no comedies. Nope. Oh. Nope. I'm all serious. Hmm. That's right. He is. 
Uh, we have the uh, next movie I watched uh, was from 1997, and one of those films that I've always heard of, knew a lot about, and just never watched, and that was Cube. <clears throat> hmm. Sorry. What was that just, all about? Well, it's just kind of a classic horror film. Well, that's why we're doing these first-time watches, fill in these gaps. Remember when you told me I haven't watched a lot of classic horror films? <laughs> yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yep. And I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> but what did you think of Cube? Because my girlfriend fell asleep when we watched this movie. She passed out. Oh, did she really? Yeah, she really did. She didn't like it. I thought it was great. I thought it was cool, but she did not dig it. Yeah, I thought this was a really cool film. Um, it reminded me of pretty much like every room being a saw trap. <laughs> One way yeah. or another. It's, like, it's kind of like the inspiration for saw. Oh, yeah, I can... I can guarantee it was inspired by, or Sans was inspired by it. Um, I do like the uh, the character development between some of these characters, especially the uh, the guy that I thought was like the gentleman hero type who ends up becoming like this freaking asshole yeah. bad guy by the end. Oh my god, I did not expect that at all. <laughs> it's great character development, right? Like to to change a character's you know motive and process. I think that's really smart. Yeah, like they did a really good job with this and like very interesting story, very cool kills. Definitely uh Resident Evil the movie copied the uh laser uh slicing scene from yep. Cube. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh and uh, I'm going to be for surely checking out part 2 and Cube 0 like at some point. I haven't seen those, so you'll have to let me know. Oh, I definitely will. But yeah, I recommend this if you haven't seen it before, but you know, most people have and I'm just behind. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I might skip over one that I was going to talk about and talk about something else instead, and I think I will. I have a feeling um, I know what that is. Yeah, so I'm going to jump right to Girls with Balls because I got totally razzed about this on our Facebook page and I added it. Um, so it is a Netflix film, just so we're clear. It is no other film to my friends who teased me about this. Uh, it came out in 1999, and it's a horror comedy. And, oh, my God, I laughed so hard throughout. <laughs> this movie it's basically based on a volleyball team that gets stranded in the woods and they get hunted it's like the hunt only <laughs> just completely craziness and they have this coach and oh man there's some lines in it that are like there was a line that was so funny that I rewound it so I could watch it multiple times because I thought it was just <laughs> the funniest thing ever which means Scott's will hate it um, I think that is stupid and be like, this movie's so dumb. And meanwhile, I was like slapping my leg, laughing out loud. I thought it was just so funny. I, I It's going to definitely be a movie that if I'm like really sad, I'm going to go watch Girls with Balls because it's nice. just so hilarious. And it came out in 1999. If you enjoy slapstick humor uh, with some really funny jokes that connect to other horror movies and just a lot of ridiculous blood and guts. It's the movie for you. If you don't like slapstick humor, you don't like silly comedy, or your name is Scott Crawford, it's probably not the movie for you. <laughs> well, I already told you, I'm planning on watching this because I am very- Oh no, you're gonna tell me how bad it is. Well, you know, I've, if I say it's bad, it's, it'll be probably because I just didn't find it funny myself and that's nothing wrong with that. It's like how nothing's wrong with the void. Yeah, exactly. There's just something wrong with me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Oh, there's so much wrong with me. But anyway. That's why we work good to, good as a That's team. That's why we're broken and we bring each other together as broken pieces. Exactly. And we feed off of each other. That's right. We feed off of each other's brokenness. <laughs> My dog just stared at me right now and judged me like, yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> My, mine's doing the same right now, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, another one I will talk about is a, another one being the horror movie fan that I am um, ashamed to admit I had not seen, and that is Dario Argento's 1985 Phenomenon. Oh, I haven't seen it either. Yeah, this was definitely a different uh, style for an Argento film, because Argento's really known for his giallos and stuff like that. And this one stars a very young Jennifer Conley. Oh, wow. And, I didn't know she was in that cool. Yeah, she's the main character, and uh, Donald Pleasance is uh, also in it. Oh, nice. And Basically, it's about Jennifer Conley going to this, like, all-girls school, and she has this affinity for, like, controlling insects, and there's, Mm. like, this weird killer that's out there that's, like, just killing people that are out late at night, and, like, she ends up, like, somehow telekinetically connecting with him and seeing these kills, like, in her dreams and stuff like that, and he sees her, like, even though she's sleeping, but he sees her, like, there on the kill scene. Oh, wow. And so, like, it's just, like, the killer's trying to stalk her, and she's trying to, like, figure out who it is and everything. It's, But it's so freaking bizarre. It's very Italian. Very <laughs> um, Italian. Yes, very nice. Uh, and Argento's love for uh, stabbing women with glass in the neck, like, and broke it through or throwing them through, like, broken windows and stuff. I don't know why, but he loves doing that in a lot of his films. And this one, there's a scene like that, too, where a woman gets tap- decapitated by a broken shard of glass window well you know what if it works it works yeah i'll say like it's it's a formula that apparently worked at that time um but yeah this is a very interesting movie i enjoyed it uh wouldn't say it's one of my favorites but i'm i'm glad i at least checked it out and this this one was on shutter and it's yeah it's very bizarre i can't i can't stress how bizarre this film is you're like bizarre keyword here bizarre very very bizarre <laughs> how bizarre how bizarre like that horrible 90s song you know what i'm talking about dun, 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 Ooh, baby you're making you're me, crazy. me crazy yeah that's right we also have it's also high school musical here apparently on friday nightmares as well i mean I can episode 10. <laughs> i mean now episode you... oh episode we could make this a musical for episode 10 we can just start oh, singing gosh. everything yeah can you imagine i would dig that but i can't sing at least you have a voice i uh <laughs> We'd have no listeners by the end of it, so that's true for me. We are no, you can sing. That's that's more me. That's the problem. <laughs> so, Little Monsters, two thousand and nineteen, which Mr. Scott Crawford doesn't like because he's a monster. <sighs> I don't understand how he. <sighs> you know, all the gloves are coming <laughs> off now. I get why exploding heads and twenty-two shots have all been working together for years, and they like yell at each other because. <laughs> It's so frustrated with each other's days. We're only at episode 10 and Scott and I are like, you know what? You're wrong. Um, but Little Monsters is balls to the wall hilarious. It basically is based upon a school teacher and this <laughs> shitty uncle who takes the kids to this petting zoo, for lack of better words, and they get attacked by zombies. And OMG, it is one of the funniest movies I've ever sat through. Like I, the kids, I don't, I don't know how they did the casting call, but I just picture it being bring the cutest child that you can possibly find to this to this, to this edition. And they just hired the cutest kids ever. 
that you just want to like hug and that are just mm, like melt my heart. Like these children might as well just reached into my chest and pulled out my beating heart because they had it. Oh. And I will tell you right now, I was so invested in what happened to these kids. And I'm like, I really hope this is a comedy because I just, <laughs> I cannot handle otherwise. And um, great, great movie. So much fun. Um, unless you're Scott Crawford and you have no soul or heart, I really recommend watching Little Monsters. And I think you will find it at least a little comical. And don't take it too seriously. I think anyone that walks into this movie that thinks it's going to be a serious film or like they're really looking for a hardcore zombie film, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're looking for something that just has some cute kids, some little funny lines, and kind of like a little bit of a romantic comedy with some horror sprinkled in it, it's great. Yeah, I will say uh, there are some really funny scenes in this. Like, I, I didn't think the whole movie was funny, but there is stuff like almost everything with Josh Gabb's character. Like, I laugh my ass Is that because off. you felt like you were him? No, I think it was just because I Cause never... I, ex- I feel like you're him. Oh, that, I, that I would be that much of an asshole to the kids? To this movie, you are. <laughs> yeah, to this movie, I'm an asshole, maybe, but... But no, like, I just, uh, I think it's with him. I didn't expect him to go that route because I'm used to him from, uh, as Olaf from Frozen. And then just to see him in this film, just like swearing up a storm and like throwing kids out of the way and like just being a complete dick. Just like I was in tears by just like the complete character shift that I thought of him from. It's like how Scott would handle it. He'd be sacrificing the children. He'd be like, take them! No, no, I would not. Um, I know I'm making Scott sound like he's a monster. He's actually not a monster, just so we're clear. <laughs> like, I don't want anyone thinking that Scott's going to go sacrifice kids. He just doesn't have good taste in movies. Um... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> just kidding, Scott. Wow, you are just pushing the, you're just pushing us to break up tonight, aren't I know. you? I know. The end of the show. <laughs> and you know what? There was a lot of Taylor Swift in that movie, so he'll be singing soon. We are never, ever getting back together. <laughs> You go talk to you. Anyway, I won't sing anymore. It's painful for everyone listening. Um, Amazing. I did think it was funny. and But I do think it's a little romantic comedy-ish. And I think that that's where they kind of went wrong with the horror piece yeah. of it. Because I think if you do walk into this film, you know, all teasing aside, if Scott was expecting like a true horror comedy like Shaun of the Dead, which has some romance in it, but it's not really the focus of it. Um, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. Like, it's not yeah. like that. It, it is really kind of a romantic comedy with like some zombies. And I, I dug it. I thought it was super cute. And now, honestly, those children, mm, my goodness, too cute. They almost yeah. make me wish I had kids, but I want those kids. I'll say, because that, that is the part that actually surprised me that uh, you liked it so much was because I know you're not a big fan of romantic comedies. I'm not, but those kids, man, I, and I used to be a camp counselor, and I did want children, unfortunately, just wasn't in the plans for me. But, um, oh, man, kids are, kids are awesome. Like, they're so funny, especially these kids and how cute they are and the games that she plays with them. One, two, three eyes on me. Like, I've done that before with kids. And, like, you're trying to make the situation okay. And, oh, my gosh, I just, I totally, that is also going to be a movie that if I'm sad one day, Girls with Balls, Little Monsters. That's going to be my remedy. Yeah, but I was saying, those are, like, the good, like, well, at least uh, I know Little Monsters is, even though it's a horror comedy, it's lighthearted. So that... Yeah, I would say Girls with Balls is pretty lighthearted, too. Like, you can't okay. take that one seriously. It's a little more mature theme, um, you know, but it's definitely not, it's not a serious film. Like, I think if you took it seriously, then you're not going to enjoy it. Right. <laughs> but I don't know how anyone could. It's not a serious movie. Yeah, I mean, especially with that title. Yeah, right? Like, 
It sounds like something you find on Pornhub. So. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm watching that right now. No. <laughs> nice. Well, you've been pretty calm for that, let me tell you. Good poker face. Uh, yeah, I'll say it's, it's that tantric that I've been working on. Oh shit! Wow, it's impressive. <laughs> Good job. See, look at you. Now you're you give up me for drinking. You're talking about sexual experiences. My I God, can't. Gary predicted it. Thank you, Gary Hill. You know the way. You know, episode you know fourteen. <laughs> Who knows what's going to be happening? <laughs> uh, and I just have one more movie that I can talk about on this list, and that is Lovely Molly from 2012. I found this one on Shutter, and this one actually kind of funny because I watched it, and then like shortly after I'd watched it. I think it was like episode 106 of Exploding Heads came out and they covered Lovely Molly. 107. Was it 107? Yeah, I'm a true fan. You are. <laughs> I lose track of the number. I'm going to get that date with Mr. Olenek. <laughs> oh, we'll see. Orlick, Orlick. You don't have that beard. I know. It's going to be hard. Sure. Hard work. But, uh, no. Fuck. Yeah, this is pretty much like a horror film that very very heavy horror film yeah i've heard i heard their review and it sounded really heavy yeah because it's pretty much just about drug addiction and like what like what happened like abuse and drug addiction and but it is a well-made film i like i hate i hate using the word really enjoyed it but as a movie well yeah it's okay to use that term and but yeah the the main uh, actress in this I don't know her name but she did such a phenomenal phenomenal job and like man this one I'm, I'm just watching it and just like I was almost like it was almost too much for me and, really yeah but you know I've also uh had family members that yeah you've you've them, experienced so. it firsthand so I think that's also hard for you as well true you're right yeah so it, it definitely hit home with me but yeah this is a very tough watch but also like a really well done movie that a lot of people I think I recommend checking out it's very graphic though so be warned about that yeah I think that's good that you're you're putting that out there and you know Scott I forgot about your personal connection to that and yeah kudos to you for watching that because that's how that's a hard thing to sit through yeah little I had no idea what I was watching I just you didn't listen to their review first well I watched the I watched this before their episode okay 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 and I've seen the uh, I just seen it on shutter I was like well this is one I haven't seen click didn't look at the synopsis or anything like that yep yep and wow (laughs) i was expecting just to kind of chillax that night and well got hit hard (laughs) well i'm sorry i'm glad that you got through it but you do recommend it so that's good yeah Yeah, i'll say i definitely don't uh uh, regret watching it that's for sure it's definitely a good movie excellent 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 so there's two movies that i watched um one was from 1976 Alice, sweet Alice. Oh yes. Uh, it's it's 108 minutes, and talk about a really good 70s horror film. Really, that yeah. good, huh? I I really enjoyed the plot. There was some twist in this. There's not a lot of murders. It's more of a mystery. Man, is it good. So for those, I have always heard about Alice, sweet Alice. And I think the raincoat and the mask are pretty well known in the horror community anyway. I don't know how well it's known pop culture. For sure. Um, But it is definitely an awesome film. And it says, you know, the tagline is, if you survive this night, nothing will scare you again. And I think for 1976, the fact that they use children, because we got to remember, 
children in horror, you know, we've we've really exploited that. Oh yeah. With children dying in horror. You know, we look at the pet cemetery, original and remake. We look at the good son. We look at heredity. We have yeah. done a, you know, we have uh, the omen, insidu- insidious, sinister. We've had, you know, experiences where kids have died in horror films, like in modern day poltergeist, uh, like lots of films where kids get hurt or whatever, then something happens to them or they pass away in it or they're evil or whatnot. And I think that Alice, Sweet Alice was ahead of its time doing that so i think if we go back to uh 1976 and we were to watch this movie we would see we have a very very different experience but i definitely recommend it if you are a horror fan it's like how i feel about the blair witch projects there's certain movies in our field that you just need to watch yeah you know if you're gonna say that you're a hardcore horror fan there's certain things that are on that watch list and i think alice sweet alice is on there yeah and this is one of those that i've missed throughout the years so i am going to be watching this one as well i recommend that you watch it by the end of this year i think that it's uh... Uh, it'll probably be by the end of this week oh so nice excellent by, by the uh by the time we get to our next episode by the end of tonight actually he's gonna yes. watch it while we record <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm watching it right now how did you know <laughs> he switched from girls with balls and now he's watching alice sweet alice um and then the second one i watched was april fool's day oh and, this movie. yeah and i remember the box cover of this when i was a young heather going to the video store and sneaking off into the horror section and my parents yelling at me to come back and me trying to like hide between the shelves so they couldn't see me. <laughs> um, and always thinking it was really cool because of her braid being in a noose. Mm-hmm. Right. And so iconic thinking, of a cover. Yeah. Like I just thought it was a really smart cover. I wonder, Dave C, does it cover, does it, does it pass the cover art test? Add your response in, Friday Nightmares. Yes. So I loved it. I I can see why this got a lot of hate at the yeah. time. Yeah, especially for that ending. Yeah, but it's clever. Yeah. Like you watch that. I feel like this was a concept that if it was released now, especially since we've had Cabin in the Woods and other things like that, um, people would love it. Well, they tried a remake with it. Uh, guys, say probably about, I want to say about 10 years ago, Scout Taylor Compton was the main girl. Okay. And- yeah, it was not good. Not good. I just mean if they had taken this cast, because Amy Steele's in it. Yeah. And I think if they had just released that concept now and had better actors, it would have been <laughs> not not from the 1986 one, from whatever re- remake, remake yeah. that they tried to do. I think it would have been very good. But at the same time, this was playing into the slashers of the 80s. Like, it just seemed like it came out at the perfect time as well in that sense. Like, I don't know. It could have been perfect in the 80s if people just knew what they were walking into. And I think it's perfect for 2020. I loved it. I thought it was great. I would rewatch it. I thought it was fun. I love the ending. I love, I know I'm giving spoilers here, but this is a 1986 movie. I'm assuming you've seen April Fool's or at least heard about it or, because I heard all about the drama of it prior to watching it right yeah and i i love this movie it's one of my it's like up there in my like probably top 15 slashers yeah it's great i really really enjoy this movie like i just love the characters like the characters alone save it for me like you're not save it but like carry the film even more and even though it's not technically a real slasher right um it's still really fun it's still a really good movie so anyway i recommend checking it out i was glad that i uh i went old school and checked out that those bad boys so yeah, I'm happy to hear you actually. You enjoyed that one. 
I didn't even know you watched that one, so that's a nice surprise. I know. I just got to keep you on your toes. I got to make sure I keep this relationship fresh, Scott, you know? I think, I think you do that pretty well. <laughs> You're like, no problem here, Heather. We're good. We're good. Stop <laughs> laughing at your own jokes. <laughs> nah, everyone loves you laughing at your own jokes. You got to keep that. I, I, well, we'll see. Well, yeah, I guess I am kind of funny. It's true. You know what? You, you talked me into it. You talked me into it, Scott. <laughs> uh, so our next section, since I'm the host, is going to be <laughs> horror podcasts that we've been listening to. And I'm going to tell you about mine, Scott, and you and I are both going to feel like bad friends. Uh-oh. Yeah. So I follow the Padded Room on uh, Podcast Attic. And there was a podcast on there that I was very interested in. And it was Dead Pick Netflix. On, sorry, Dead Picks on Netflix. And I was like, oh. And it's these short little podcast windows. So it's usually about 30 minutes. And they talk about movies that they've seen on Netflix. So Cargo's one of them. Platform's one of them. And the people that host this are our very good friends at Horror for Dummies. It is done by Tim Davis and Daniel Luffy. Wait, what? Yes. Huh? We are, we are bad friends. All right. I need to have a uh, chat with my uh, my lover from Australia about this because uh, no. how did he not tell me about this? I don't know. And we have a group chat and everything too. And we're recording with them this weekend. Yeah. What? Oh, I guess it's just going to be two dates and that's it now, Tim. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, you know, but you know what? You have enough dates coming up. You know, between you and, like, I don't know. Scott's getting Brandon right. and got Tim and yeah, got so many. <laughs> well, Brandon hasn't said yes yet. So let's oh, not he get said to yes. He said yes. He said. Remember, consent, Scott. Consent. Um, <laughs> so anyway, dead pick on Netflix. So this is a great – so Luffy and uh, Tim Davis do this, and they do a great job. So basically what it is is they do a spoiler-free review. And then they break into spoilers and listening to their platform or the review of the platform. Wow. Like I listen to their regular show all the time and they go deep with their movie reviews, but this one, because they're so hyper-focused on the one movie, they kind of tie in the alternate meetings of it. So when they get to the spoiler section, they talk about different theories. So they talk about different theories behind the platform and it's just a really nice, simple and sweet podcast. Uh, if you're looking for something that's under 30 minutes and that gives a quick spoiler, if you want to hear some sexy Australian accents and you, you love the horror for dummy gentlemen like we do, this is a fabulous podcast to listen to and you can find it under the padded room so i think they're part of that podcast network um i will include the link to it but yeah please check it out yeah i'm, I'm definitely gonna have to do that now. i know because, especially wow. sunday because make sure because they're gonna eventually listen to this and realize that we didn't know that was them right oh uh, that's why i'll hold off on releasing this episode until we record at least on sunday so you can be like <laughs> i knew that you and then they're gonna tim's gonna listen to this and be like no you didn't lies you were liars son of a bitch right <laughs> Uh, yeah, then the one that I'm going to talk about, um, well, these guys have been around for quite some time. They are celebrating 12 years, I think going on 13 years now of doing this podcast. And that is Outside the Cinema with Bill and Chris. Um, these guys don't necessarily just cover horror, but they usually have two movies, um, that are usually cult, uh, cult classics or maybe not so cult classics. But, like, they will pretty much cover any genre. I mean, hell, they even did uh, 
someone from their Patreon picked two movies and they ended up doing Spice World. <laughs> you know, I remember watching that movie. Uh, that doesn't that surprise me. Film. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching it. Uh, but yeah, these guys are just entertaining to listen to. I've been listening to them shit probably since i started listening to podcasts like six years ago or so since you were in the womb yes since i was in the podcasting (laughs) womb (laughs) uh and this is actually how i got introduced to uh court and matt psyop from cinema psyop because they did a slasher roundtable episode with bill and chris on outside the cinema and i heard them so i was like "Ooh, i gotta find these cinema psyop guys these guys are hilarious and and it's kind of just come full circle, but yeah, like uh, Bill is also a uh, uh, getting up there as a well-known director because he directed uh, the uh, cult film documentary Survival of the Film Freaks last year or a couple years ago, and it got like a ton of awards and stuff like that. And I guess he was in the middle of doing another documentary, but then COVID happened, so everything's been oh, kind of put on hiatus. Uh, but yeah, th- I highly recommend the show. They are very well knowledge like they know so much about film and chris goes on these random tangents that are just hilarious to listen to like is he as funny as me uh no well is he, he doesn't laugh at his own jokes so, <laughs> so he, doesn't, doesn't... he doesn't cue the audience when they should laugh yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but no if like he'll almost always relate something to star wars which is hilarious like he'll out like and you usually hear hear bill in the background going <sighs> <laughs> oh my gosh i get that it's like gremlins i don't know who you're talking about <laughs> I'm, it's definitely not me because i don't talk about gremlins never ever he has a shelf devoted to gremlins it, it, but who doesn't <laughs> that's right who doesn't in the community exactly i mean i know you do you're just hiding that you're ashamed that's true i keep it in like my secret room <laughs> your secret shame room <laughs> where i have the signed copy of the void because i loved it so much and the signed yes. poster <laughs> Same with Jessica Forever. She oh, and my, and my special edition Black Christmas 2019 release. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, yes, uh, back to outside the cinema. Um, uh, yeah, you can find these guys pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found. Like, they've been around 12 years going on 13. Like they're, and they do a weekly show, and I don't think like they've ever missed a week. Gosh, it's like a marriage. I can't imagine podcasting with you for 13 years. Oh, you would love it. I just, like, imagine what her, we'd be making the same jokes, like, just older. We'd still be bringing up Jessica forever. (laughs) We'd still be bringing up movies, still be talking about gremlins. I'd still be trying to convince you that Scream 3 is an Oscar-worthy film. It'd be great. (laughs) Eventually, I'll get so senile that I'll just start agreeing with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Heather, it's great. Best movie ever. <laughs> yes, Heather, the ending is so unique. Yes, yes, it makes so much sense. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <much> fun. That's <laughs> just true, though. It sums up our commentary that we did. Anyway, right. <laughs> well, I guess that's it. Oh, man, here we are. We, oh, we got to move into our main topic. So we're going to twi- take a quick break and then we'll be right back with our main topic of survival horror. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this? No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. 
Scrooge. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. So welcome to our main topic, which is survival horror, where Scott Crawford and myself as super duper survivalists will go over exactly what you need to do to survive every single horror situation that you could be in. Um, Scott's definitely the best at it. Yeah, I feel we need to have like a uh, have the listeners sign a digital contract, making it so we're not liable for anything that may happen to them. Bottom line is you listen to us. And then you message Kenneth at Kill the Cast and ask what you should actually yeah. do. <laughs> and Kenneth will be like, ignore everything they taught you and He'd let like, me teach you. Well, that's, I have some survival skills. I've been camping and I have done some stuff. I don't know if you've... I've done some. Okay, so we... And I have survivalist friends, so I know some, some things. We joke, like, but still, don't listen to Scott and I as any kind of experts. We'd be the scared people just trying to make it through right um so the survival genre can be split into many different categories you can be lost in an environment try and survive the elements vacation travel horror for example in this episode we're just going to look at environment element horror and how characters survive in the elements so why do we love survival horror part one so this was an article that was found um in the dark side of psychology uh by elio martino he's a phd individual or has his phd i don't know if i said phd individual so what is survival horror survival horror is not a new art form it ranges from cult classics such as the alien to the thing which burst in a burst an entire generation of survival horror to modern day franchises such as resident evil which is also a video game isn't it yeah that's uh and technically i believe i'm sure jerry herring will uh Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Resident Evil would be considered like the first of the survival horror and video games. Oh, cool. Nice. You mean not Super Mario Brothers? That wasn't no, considered no, the that, first? No. Sonic the Hedgehog? Maybe the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, the underwater level, because that was yeah. horror on its own. Right. Or so was Echo the Dolphin. God, what an annoying game to play. Um, survival horror moves beyond a simple, cheap jump scare. It immerses the audience in the world of terror, disgust, and fear, and a psychological feedback loop that keeps one clawing back for more. I love that. Gosh, that sounds so sexy. Um, a very good quote that I found in this article is, it is our nature to be afraid of the unknown, but also to be curious and to explore, to use a flashlight, to delve into those dark corners, but God forbid that flashlight should fail. I think that's really, really a cool quote that I pulled out of this article. And it really kind of sums up going out into that wilderness. We're okay as long as everything's working for us. But the moment shit hits the fan, we realize how little we are in this world. Yeah, that is like that quote sums that up perfectly. 
And, you know, a good survival horror messes with your mind. You want to desperately run away and phone your mom. On the other hand, you want to face your fears and peer into those dark, shadowy corners. And, and even if your flashlight flickers on and off. I thought that was a really, really cool thing. And that really, I don't know, really speaks to me when I think about people that choose to be in these situations or get stuck in these situations. They kind of want to run away and ask, like, obviously everyone wants to survive, but also everyone wants to be in charge. Yeah. And be the hero. You know, I feel like that's a big part of survival hero uh, horror too, is who is going to be the hero? Who's going to be the ones to figure everything out? So, you know, it goes into the psychology often referred to the shadow that was conjured by Carl Jung and popularized by Pearson recently to gaze our behind our own personas, the masks that we don for everyday life and go into the depths of our psyche. What do we pull from to help us survive these dark, mysterious situations where we question our mortality and our own struggle. So this is followed up with the idea of fight or flight. It's the neuroscience of survival horror. Now this article looks at gaming, but I thought that it was really, really representative of what horror film or uh, survival horror yeah. tries to simulate. So one of the things that survival horror films will try to simulate is that feeling of helplessness. As mentioned earlier, players in survival horror, so we could say characters or players, are often faced with terrifying, inescapable circumstances. So I actually think, even though we didn't use this movie, the one where the gentleman gets led, like gets stuck in between the cliffs and he breaks his leg or something like that. I was actually uh, 127 to... hours or something like that. Yep, I was actually trying to uh, find a copy of that movie to watch for this episode, but I could not find one in time. Like talk about like, like that's an example of helplessness right there. Like yeah. you're alive, so you could still live, but you're almost wondering if it's just better to die. Like what a shitty place to be. Yeah, that would be like a horrific situation because yeah, what can you do in that situation when your arm is stuck between boulders? You can't really call for help or barely feed yourself at that point. Like, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. Um, and it's a true, it's not a true story. So the person did survive, which I find even more overwhelmingly impressive. So yeah. Helplessness is a truly powerful feeling. Studies have shown that animals that are faced with a situation where they are helpless develop strong feelings of fear and anxiety. This is also true in the case of humans. You remember this feeling from your last visit to the dentist? That's really a really good example of like you're in the dentist chair, the stuff's in your mouth, you can't really do anything about it. Or if you're going in for surgery or if you're on a roller coaster and like you get up to the top and you're like, oh man, I want to do this. And you don't really have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> like I, 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 like I've gotten to that point many times on roller coasters where it's like, okay, I'm here, I'm here. Oh shit, I want off, I want off, I want off, and you're just stuck. Yeah, and you can't, can't get off, and that's nope. it. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I think that's really true. Is when we're watching these, these survivalist horror element films because you really do kind of put yourself like, oh my god, there's helplessness here. You know, we're, we're going to talk about a couple of films where people are really helpless, helpless, and they, and they. There's nothing they can do. So context and environment. So naturally, our environment plays a large role in the perception of fear and potentially startling responses. So obviously, if we're comfortable with our environment, we can generally predict how we are going to react. Yeah. But if we are in a new environment, it is more difficult for us to do that. So for example, if you go whitewater rafting, there is a way that you navigate whitewater rafting, which is why you have a guide that goes with you. But if you choose to do it by yourself with no prior experience, you're basically learning how to walk for the first time yeah. only in a kayak. So it's, 
it's a very important thing that we look at the context of environments because unless someone is super familiar with something and had that chance to do trial and error to learn, being put into that situation will cause people to react in ways that don't make sense. And I think that's sometimes when we watch horror movies, we get so we sit on our, our high horse on our nice warm couch, eating our popcorn, cuddling with our dog, drinking. I think I've just described myself. Um, <laughs> but and I go, well, I do that. I would do that. Um, I would do something else. I would do this. I would do that. It's very easy to armchair quarterback what oh, steps sure. you would take when you're not in that situation. So I think that that's a really important piece to, to look at here. And there's going to be a movie that really plays into this. So I'm not sure. Have you seen Frozen 2010? Oh, I love this movie. Not the Disney film. The Adam oh, Green oh, film. Oh. Oh, crap. Yes. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Scott was about to break into Let It Go. Um, and I then was. I was going to have to let him go. Um, <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Anyway. Those are um, the jokes. <laughs> the jokes. Now we're just stealing from other podcasts. So <laughs> childhood friends. So there's three childhood friends. There's two dudes and his girlfriend who go away on a to a ski resort. And... It's a small ski resort, and they're doing the hills and stuff like that, and then they go up one last time, they convince the attendant to let them go up the hill one last time, and unfortunately, when they're halfway up the hill, the attendants switch out, not knowing that there are three skiers up still on the mountain, and shock and surprise, the resort closes, and they leave them there stranded. I can't remember the amount of feet up in the air. I believe it was close to at least 40 or 30 feet. I think it was, yeah, might have even been more than that. Was it more than that? Because it was high enough that you couldn't really jump without risking injury. Yeah, like, shit, I think there was, like, points where if you jumped, like, you were risking death even, even though, obviously, that, you know, death happened in a different way in the film, but... Yes. So we're going to dissect this movie and what Scott and I would do. So I'm going to state it now. There will be spoilers to this film. If you have not seen Frozen 2010 by Adam Green, if you've seen the Disney cartoon, that's fine. And you have no intention of watching this film, then that's fine. <laughs> um, but we will be discussing what the characters do and then talk about what we would do. So, you know, in that second, Scott, where all the lights go off, and I love how the lights go off because it goes off, it goes off, and they're sitting there talking, like you're, you're kind of facing them as they're chatting away and you see the lights go off as a viewer yep. and then as they're sitting there lights 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 and the lights go off at them at first they're like oh they just made a mistake they're yelling whatever what would you be thinking um i would just be like okay what the hell's going on um i'd, I'd literally be looking around trying to yell going hey we're still up here we're still up here like, I think that would be, like, my first natural reaction. Yeah, I don't think I would panic at first. I think my panic would just be initial, like, hello, well, someone's going to leave the resort. They're going to leave the ski lodge. They're going to hear me, and they're going to know that we're up here. I don't know if I would panic right away. You know, I have warm clothes on. I have, you know, enough stuff on that I would think that, oh, this is, you know, they're going to realize it, and they're going to turn the lights back on in a couple of minutes. Yeah, and I think with me, I would panic because I'm already uh, kind of terrified of heights. Mm. So having it stop and I'm just kind of floating in nothingness, I think I would already be going, all right, I, I don't like this. Um, move it. Come on. <laughs> so you would already, your blood would be pumping. So yeah. you're already heading into panic mode. And I think this is an important thing to remember when watching this film. And Kill the Cast, our boss, Jerry Herring, and our two supervisors, Jay and Kenneth, watched this film and went over it and Kenneth 
uh, really critiqued it, and I messaged Kenneth, La Kenneth later to debate with him on some points. Nice. Um, because I, you know, and Kenneth is somebody who I have, you know, all three gentlemen I have the world of respect for. I think they're all very intelligent. But Kenneth is a survivalist, and he knows how to survive in various situations. Not everyone is as smart as him. Most people are not, you know, especially depending where you live, have not been exposed to very cold temperatures. You and I live somewhere where it can get very cold. Yes. And we know what that, what it looks like when that happens. And when you get very cold, you don't think straight. Yeah. You begin to panic. So I think when we look at how these characters chose to react, it's not far off to say that people that are weekend skiers would not react this way if this situation is to happen. So basically, they realize no one is coming back. They debate jumping, right? So the one character debates that he's going to jump from the ski chair lift to the ground. They're debating about how long it is for him to jump. And he decides to jump. Well, when he jumps, he, of course, compound fractures on both legs, not just one leg, both legs. And obviously is in a intense amount of pain. So now the panic button for the two people that are on the chairlift have shot up because it's his best friend and his girlfriend. Yep. And he's freaking out because now he's going into shock. And at one point he does because he talks about how he doesn't hurt anymore and he's feeling warm which are all bad signs. Yeah. No longer shivering, you know. So would you jump, Scott? I would uh, debate it, but I think my fear of heights might keep me rooted in my seat. Mm -hmm. Like, because I'm trying to remember, did he like straight up like jump out or did he climb, like hold, hang off? Um... I believe he hung off, okay. I believe, but it still <laughs> didn't give him enough because when the, the gentlemen, when our bosses were talking at Kill the Cast, they talked about hanging off of each other to the point where like they lower each other down to get as many feet down as you can which that makes sense right if, if, if you you're not the panicking to hold on yeah if you have the strength to hold on so we're all assuming that these guys have really good upper body strength so that could be possible and also that it's cold now mind you this is earlier in the situation so frostbite and hypothermia haven't kicked in yet your body would still be making enough heat to support itself so if yeah. there is a time to do that, you should probably be doing that right then and there. So anyway, long story short, uh, wolves show up and they eat one of the members, the member that fell on the ground. Yeah. So the next day, the one girl realizes that, or the girl realizes that she has severe frostbite. And the other gentleman that's up with her eventually scales the chairlift lines, which would be pretty hard to do because those things are razor sharp. Yeah. So that seems to me like it makes sense. I don't know if I would A, have the body strength to do that and be able to get there. And then he drops to the ground. He does hurt himself. Um, I think he fractures something or he hurts. He's, he has to sit down on the snowboard to take it down or to ski or something that he uses to get down on. He yeah. sits. And the wolves chase him, which as much as like, you know, the wolves are supposed to be scary, I thought they were cute as hell in this. They were. They were right. very adorable. So eventually she gets off the chairlift because it the, the weight breaks because it's all the way out in the elements. Oh, I forgot about another crucial scene where the snowplow driver driven by Kane Harder comes up mm -hmm. and they're trying to get attention and they're throwing poles and stuff down. What would you have done to get his attention? Um... I think I probably would have done like the same thing. Like maybe I would have tried taking my shoe and throwing mm -hmm. it because it'd be a little more dense and yeah. easier to throw. But yeah, like I'll probably would all depend on what you had on you at that time. But like whatever they had on them, I would yeah, be taking my boot or my shoe 
as much as that would suck because then my foot would probably get frostbite. I, that he, and I Kenneth would argue not to do that. I, I don't think because you would get frostbite. Right. So I don't know what the best situation is in that situation and, and what you could do in that situation to kind of solve that problem. I think that's a very, I don't know if I would have done anything different, to be honest with you. Like I like to put myself in that spot. And yet again, I'm not in the moment. I'd probably be screaming as loud as I can. And who knows, like that snowplow is pretty loud. Yeah, And, you know, it's quite possible that he could not see. But the fact that he doesn't even look up once or look back, I thought was kind of odd. But for the sake of the plot of the movie, it has to continue. So eventually she's down on the ground. She gets down off a ski. She passes the wolves that are feeding on the other individual's corpse. And the one wolf sits there, though, like a little prince. Do you yep. remember that scene? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. They probably couldn't get that, like, wolf to do anything else. Or I actually thought they weren't wolves. I thought they were just, like, huskies, maybe. wolves. Yeah, huskies. But I don't know. I haven't seen in a long time to remember. And I just remember that one sitting there. And it was just like, I'm a good boy. I'm going to sit here. <laughs> and she eventually makes it to the street. and gets picked up by a car. And hears her boyfriend's ho- head, uh, voice in her head saying, you're going to be okay, baby. You're going to be okay. So... One, people would have known that they were missing. So my only thing with this is she had a dog and she would have, someone would, they would have told somebody that they were going skiing. They had jobs to go to. So yeah. I think it's interesting that they were up there into the next day because when did people wonder? Because I believe they were going on a Sunday because they were saying, okay, now the resort's closed for the week. So the next day would have been the Monday and there would have been a Monday. So it would have been Sunday night to Monday to Tuesday. So when have technically somebody wondered where they were? Uh Possibly, yeah. Like, I know uh, here in the U.S., like, you can't report someone missing for 48 hours. But wouldn't you have gone, though, if you were if you were their friend or their coworker, and they were like, they didn't show up for work today, you wouldn't be, like, calling their house and wondering. I guess if it's one day, but I just think that, like, if I, I – my coworker, when I was going into work, lives alone, and there was one day that she didn't come in, and I was giving her to a certain time, and if she didn't show up, I was calling her sister. I had her sister's number and I was calling her house to see where she was because a I'm always more cautious of women that live alone um being a female that's lived alone I I think that it's important to check on other females right so you know I I just that was a part that I didn't fully buy into that someone like they would have known they went skiing and then there would have been no response and then they would have sued the ski resort for sure because of the situation but I can't think of when I look at all the steps they made I would like to think I would do different things differently I probably want to throw in any boots I would have definitely kept my mitts I would have definitely not slept with my one hand on the bar that didn't have protection um I probably would have lowered each other down as far as I could have but I don't know in that moment in the panic and in the cold and in the hypothermia kicking in if I would have done anything differently and I think that's the great part about this movie you can feel the cold when you watch this movie like you watch that and you see how cold they are and you're like shit that's cold yeah (laughs) and scary and we like like you were saying like people like north like us and further north know what it's like with when it gets to some extreme colds i mean obviously they're not like as extreme as we've 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 not experienced the most extreme colds but you can in your head know how cold that is out there like and what they're going through absolutely right and and i think the movie is smart for that i think it's really smart that it plays on something that could happen they are small little itty bitty ski resorts we have them out here i don't know if you have them in michigan yep but we have them out here that are only operable on the weekends and that could happen like it could happen i don't think they'd be left there overnight because the one ski resort that i'm thinking that that's like this is also by a 
hotel. So, cause I've stayed at it. So across the street is a ski resort and then the hotels across the street and they have outdoor activities in the evening. So it's very likely that if you were outside and people are trapped on that ski hill, you could hear them because these right. hills aren't over super big. If it's a small little ski resort like that too, we're not looking at Mont Blanc, right? Like we're not looking right. at, you know, Ellicottville. We're not looking at huge ski hills here. We're looking at things that are a little bit smaller, but I think it was a really smart survival horror, horror topic. And, and really, smart to use the cold and to use the hypothermia to use the height and to use the fear of animals to kind of tie into this whole survival's horror thing so um basically if scott and i were in this situation we would definitely break our legs somehow yep and we may survive i'm hoping that the wolves get scott first they would because i'm the slower one and um but scott i would go on living in your honor I'm sure you would. You'd be sitting at a patio somewhere having a drink thinking of me. Every Christmas, I would force myself to watch Gremlins back to back. <laughs> and I would say, oh. this one's for you, Scott. This one's for my, you. My heart. My and heart. then I would get a gluten-free craft beer and drink it. <laughs> so next movie is Black Mountain Side 2014. So this one is also based in the cold. And it's more research focused. So it's basically a group of researchers are up in the Arctic North is what they call it. But I believe it's like North Alberta, I think. Yeah, I think that's what we ended up discussing yeah. when I talked about it. Yeah, I think it's Northern Alberta. And they find artifacts that are buried deep and weird stuff starts to happen. So much so that the indigenous workers leave. Now, when indigenous people peace, you know shit's real right? and you should be piecing as well <laughs> like when they go that should be your tip your your tip to get the heck out of Jodge, right so yeah. i like how i said heck like i swear every other episode but i decided to say the hell out of Jodge. anyway so a very good movie though that talks about there's this little like they're a little isolated community and they have food flowing in and water flowing in and i still don't quite get where they, they get the electricity on they must have generators i think that's how yeah it is. I, I think they had like a bunch of generators out there Right. And the isolation. Now, mind you, it is a creature feature, so I'm not going to go too much into that. But, oh my goodness, that, that whole idea of being in this small community, a helicopter ride away from civilization. So it's not like people are going to drive up there and get to you. Right. And you're reliant on people to bring you food and bring you water for you to survive. Talk about isolation, talk about reliance on others, and back to our points that we made earlier, talk about helplessness. Like, what oh, would you sure. do if, like, people start going crazy and people are hearing things and people are trying to kill themselves? Like, what would you do if you were a character in this, in this situation? <sighs> I, I don't even know exactly what I would do with this situation. Um, I would probably end up trying to keep more to myself and just kind mm -hmm. of stay out of line of sight of everybody and just let if they're going to start bickering amongst themselves let them do it to themselves and like unless like you know there was actually danger of someone that i was friends with in that situation then i'd step in but yeah for the most part i think i would just be trying to keep to myself keep away trying to just detail like do logistical look at okay how are we going to deal with this how are we going to ration food see i'm opposite i would not be keeping away from other people i would be trying to unify people and say look we're in a situation here where we have this much food and this much water, we need to come up with a plan to rationalize this. We need to maybe take the snow and see if we can filter that properly. Because 
these guys are smart people. They're scientists and stuff like that. They should know be know how to create a basic water filter system right. with the equipment they have there. I would say maybe we should look into hunting. They probably have guns or some kind of ammunition there. I maybe look at killing rabbits or wolves or whatever is possible for me to kill. There is a bear trap that we found out about later on. So obviously there's wildlife up there, even though I know the wildlife does clear out. But I'd be looking at not like getting away from people and, and avoiding the conflict. I'd be looking at probably trying to take that leadership role of, look, we don't know how long we're going to be in this situation for, and we need to try to figure out how we are going to be self-sustaining, if possible, until spring yeah. or until it gets warmer and we can get out of here. You know, so I think that that is where the long-term planning would come in for me. But that being said, I don't know if we would survive. You know, humans are very self-absorbed. And as we've learned with COVID-19, with grocery stores stocked of food, we, we still had people hoarding. And we yeah. still had people buying, you know, too much food that they didn't need. I'm pretty sure there's people that still don't need to go to the grocery store because they still have like a year's supply of steak in their freezer. And that's, that's for a flu not to play down COVID-19, but that's for a flu for people that live in rural communities. Right. That's not even in the middle of nowhere with the fear and the isolation. And then you take, and then this whole weird creature shit and people are hurting themselves. Like what a great concept for a horror movie. Cause this horror movie doesn't just include the creature. It includes the whole social isolation, the cold and that fear of what are you going to do next? You know, yeah. how, and it's funny because they're all running around and stuff. I'd be trying to conserve my energy and eat as little as I could. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that that is a very interesting thing. But that goes to show that when people panic, particularly men, they all want to be involved. They all need to feel something to do. They all need to be the leader. They all need to solve the problems. And that's been a socialized thing. That's not me just trying to make a blanket sexy comment. That right. is a socialized thing. So it would have been interesting if it was mixed with men and women, or if it had just been women, how that whole role assignment would have played out. Because you had a doctor, you had scientists, you had people that were experts on equipment. Like you had people of all different skill sets there that technically, if they all worked together, they could have survived. Oh, for sure. But, right. you know, humans are very selfish and selfless in that manner that, you know, unfortunately, that's how things play out sometimes. But what a great movie for that yeah. purpose, right? Oh, it so is. And then, spoiler, it is ironic at the end of the movie that the one surviving member who kind of beats the creature, I guess you could say, gets away from the camp and gets caught in a bear trap um, that yeah. is referenced earlier in the, in the film. And I can't think of anything more painful than being left in a bear trap to die. Oh, that like, would be horrible, especially in those elements, too. Like it, you, I don't know what would get you first, a hypothermia, the loss of blood, a mixture of both. So that is a good horror movie. It's not a happy ending. It's an isolation film that really plays on that fear of isolation. So it does. So the next one we're going to talk about is Decline, which is a 2020 film. So we will be giving um, spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, you know, maybe skip through this. So it's based on a survivor's camp in the middle of a Quebec winter. And Quebec winters can get even colder than the winters that Scott and I experienced. Like we're talking like negative 30s, okay? Like this is not, this is like negative 30 degrees Celsius for Canadians. And I don't know what that would be for Americans. I'll look that up while you're talking. Um, so, or colder. 
more colder yeah uh so it's not that cold right now i think this is late winter early spring uh just because of the amount of clothing that they're wearing outside but they go up to this survivalist camp and they all believe that the world is going to implode and in all fairness they, they give good reasons you know they refer to the economy and the stock market and all the stuff that's happening in the world and that they want to be prepared they also talk about immigration as well which is such a thing for quebec culture um that is a very Canadiana thing that's in this. So we have to remember Quebec is a province in Canada where French is the first spoken language. And the original settlers of Quebec were from France. And then the rest of Canada was settled from the English. I'm just using that as a very simplistic explanation. And the French lived their life a very different way than the English did. First of all, they were Catholic, um, English or Protestant. They even had their land and their farms cut in a different way. So they would do long strips of land while Englishes would do squares of land. So what happened when the English came over is that they basically colonized the French. So the French colonized the indigenous and the English colonized everybody. So... <laughs> um, there is this, you know, ongoing frustration in the province of Quebec with being this French nation within a Canadian, within an English um, nation. And they don't necessarily recognize Canada Day. They did want to separate from Canada during the 90s. There was a referendum where they tried to separate from Canada. We do have a specific party that keeps a political party that keeps Quebec um, political policies in mind and fights for the application of Quebec. When you go to Quebec, it's French first, English second. So it is almost like going to a different country. Like I feel more of a cultural shock going to Montreal than I do going to Michigan or Buffalo. Like way, like anywhere in the United States is nowhere to the near cultural shock that you'll get it when you step foot into Quebec. Yeah, I believe that. Right. So it's just a very, very different atmosphere. So I really like how they talked about immigration in that because they are even more um, selective of who they let immigrate into the province. Now, they don't have a lot of choice because in Canada, once you're immigrating to Canada, you can go wherever you want, but they can certainly make people's lives difficult. Right. So there's a lot of mosque warnings that occur and other such things that have occurred in Quebec. So I thought that was a very interesting social commentary that they brought in there about talking about immigration. So that's, these are all like-winded people who are trying to figure out how to survive. So they learn how to hunt and kill and build bombs and there's an accident. So one of the gentlemen is carrying a pipe bomb and it goes off and it kills him instantly. And of course there's a debate of what you should do. And half of the group wants to, you know, what you could call do the quote unquote right thing and call the police. And other members of the group do not because they're concerned that the police are going to show up there and there's an arsenal. You got these pipe bombs, you got guns, you got all the stuff that probably isn't registered. This guy's living off the map they, or off the grid. They already have an issue with authority. So, and they're debating on what they should do. So Scott, if you were in this situation and you were part of this camp and this happened, what would you want to do? Uh, I would be on the side of like the majority of yep. we need to call the authorities. We need to get someone out here. Like this needs to, like, we need to notify someone because this is not good and we can't do this on our own. I agree with you 100%. I would definitely be on that side too. I understand the concern of the domestic terrorism and the concern about the unregistered weapons. I do get it. I do understand that concern, yep. um, especially in Canada, because we have different gun laws than what you guys have. You cannot conceal and carry in Canada. You can own guns and you can keep guns, but they're supposed to be for target practicing and hunting. You just can't walk around Canada with a gun. Like right. that's not actually a thing. Now, if you're up in the Northern areas, 
probably yes because you're doing so for protection from animals and stuff but if you go to toronto you're not packing well unless it's right illegal, right like that's not how that works so anyway bottom line is the gentleman that owns the survival camp ends up burning the body with gasoline so then the guests try to flee and there is basically a slow kill off of each guest some through just the elements and some through snipering so in this situation scott if you were to flee where would you try to go so the goal that they're trying to get to is their cars which is are a couple of miles away um would you just run for the car and hope for the best and like would you do like i honestly watching this movie i would do exactly what they did yeah i think like, i would do exactly what they did um except i think i would uh instead of going straight for the car i would try to find like because obviously this guy's got traps set up everywhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he showed you where a lot of them were but like in panic mode it's kind of hard to remember but like yeah in my head what i would want to do is i'd want to find a way off the beaten path and just kind of hide out let them go past me if there's a way i can cover up my tracks somehow and let them think that i'm making a run for the car wait for them to get out there not see me and then come back looking for me and then sneak my way to the car that's very clever. It'd be hard to hide your tracks, though, because these, and that's a problem. They're all yeah. professional survivalists, right? So, and the guy that's hunting them is like the king survivalist, right? So I think that's a really good strategy, and I'm not criticizing you. I just think that. Yeah, covering the tracks be, is the toughest part. Yeah, that would be really hard in this situation. Now, he doesn't have track dogs or anything like that, which surprises me that he doesn't have track dogs. I would have thought that'd be something yeah. they would have here. Uh, but eventually. Uh, there is one surviving individual who does take down the um, the main camp leader, but there's some really shocking deaths in this that you that you see coming, and you kind of see people doing things where you're like, "Oh man, don't do that!" Like at one point, one of the characters falls through ice, and they manage to get this individual out. And it's a man and a woman. A man saves a woman, and later on, they're naked under a, of a under a blanket together. I'm not sure if you noticed that. Yep, they use their and, body heat use their body heat and it wasn't sexual at all no. he was happily married and he was like i'm sure you know as a man perhaps maybe he became aroused but i don't know if he'd become aroused in that situation there's a lot of emotional stress going on right so i don't know i am not a man so i don't and i'm not a heterosexual man so i don't know how i would feel in that situation but i thought that was clever yeah and honest right of what someone who has survivalist training would probably do Yep, because I'll say they already had their thermal blanket with them. They wrapped, yep. her, wrapped her up in that, tried to do her best, and then realized that he needed more warmth. And yeah, like the, you have to take your clothes off to give you that body heat like because the clothes would get in the way and not actually emit enough heat to warm up your body. So you would have to, you would have to be naked against someone to be that warm. So it's interesting that we looked at this because we went from people who had no clue what they were doing to people that kind of had an idea what they were doing to people who knew what they were doing. Yeah. in these three films you know and i think that I, I didn't plan it that way i just realized as we went through that that's what happened right it just uh, worked that way <laughs> it just worked that way so i think that's you know yet again all three films are very interesting one case you're really mad at the characters another case you're kind of like oh man guys if you just work together you could work this out you have the skill set and this one here you're like man I, I guess that's the best decisions i don't know what i would do like it's one of those unless you have that advanced training i think watching this movie uh the most recent one the decline you really don't know what you would do and you're almost like learning from them right right so the next area is backpacking and camping 
Yes. And, and not the Heather camping, which is provincial park, so she could go get drunk and hook up with her boyfriends. In other words, glamping. <laughs> well, it wasn't glamping. We still slept on the ground. I didn't air oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, actually, funny story. One time we left all the windows open and we went to party at this beach and we and it, there was a rainstorm. We came back and it was drenched. Oh, we were no. like 17 at the time and these like these older dudes and this chick from a campsite came to help us. They were like 21. Oh, we were like gosh. 17. <laughs> um, but our guy friends were older because that's always how it is. And we all partied and shit. It was actually turned out to be a lot of fun. But it was also a provincial park, which was like, you know, the biggest thing that we might have run into is like a skunk. Right. <laughs> you know, we weren't going to run into anything scary. So anyway, I will let you continue your piece here. All right. So what I'm going to bring up with this one is kind of like, what are some of the dangers of being lost in the woods? Uh, so obviously there's hypothermia, there's dehydration, uh, there's heat stress and heat stroke, uh, falls that could lead to um, injury or head trauma, which yeah, in the woods, especially at nighttime, when it gets dark in the woods, it gets freaking dark oh yeah there's no light there's no natural light to see yeah and so tripping over a stone or a root would yeah you would fall flat on your face and could seriously hurt yourself absolutely um let's see then there's uh waterborne illnesses through drinking tainted water so like in drinking yep. lake water if you're dehydrated like that's very dangerous so you got to boil your water make sure you do that then you would have a uh, Possible infections of open and open wounds, poisoning from toxic plants. If you're trying to, like, if you're starving and you're trying to eat a berry or a mushroom and you don't know what you're doing, this is where Kenneth would be probably really handy. He probably knows. Oh exactly my god, Kenneth would be handy in all this shit. Right. See, then there would be uh, flooded streams that are not passable, so trapping you in an area that you can't get across mm -hmm. now. And then obviously the dangers of animals. So like you got bears, snakes, bees, insects. Of <laughs> all, all I can think of bees like now and then where Macaulay Culkin's character gets stung to death by bees. Oh, he's oh and my girl. My girl. Um, or not now and then. Sorry. Yeah, my girl. I'm just messing up my shitty movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. But I, I see what you're saying. If someone's allergic to bees, right? That could be pretty traumatic. Yeah. Yep. And then well, with like, and you got to be careful too, late at night when you're sleeping. That's when a lot of the insects will come out and you know some insects are poisonous could bite you while you're sleeping like but depending on in what region of the world you are in you could be like laying next to a fire ant home and you don't want that have you uh, ever run into anything dangerous in the wild um not really um i'm trying to think i, I think like the most we've ever seen was like maybe a coyote like and it was on its own wow that's it yeah, like, I haven't got the bear experiences that you have. Or yeah, I've had like a that. lot of bear experiences. But we did run into a wild boar yeah. once. Oh, very, well, that's cool. That was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, the chances of it doing, like, even with bears, right? Like, the two bear experiences I had were with baby bears. And that was scary because, you know, wherever there's baby bear, there's mama bear. Yeah. And in both situations, I was fine. I just, you know, removed myself from being near the baby bear. Um I've seen mooses before too. People always joke about mooses with Canadians, but I have seen a moose. I've seen one in a pond and one in the middle of the road when I was driving and it was a baby moose and you just waited for the moose to move. Like I came yeah. to a, and the moose looked at me, like I came to a, 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 a stop and the moose looked at me like you got a fucking problem. <laughs> and um, I was like, no, I don't moose. You just take your time and I will just wait. And I waited for him to decide that he was done on that road and to move off the road. Like, he was in no rush. Yeah, and um, you, you and mooses are huge. 
mooses are huge. And I have run into a pack of coyotes when I was walking my dog around here. So uh, last winter I was walking Mickey and I saw a, uh, a fox run by me. And I'm like, wow, that fox is going really fast. And then out of nowhere, four coyotes came and they were chasing the fox and the fox got away. And they were probably about 20 feet away from me. And the one turned around and looked at me and I just stared at it back and it went and left because with coyotes, they, they have, you know, animal instincts. So if you turn around to run, they're going to chase you. And I wasn't concerned about me. I was concerned about my dog. Uh, But I think they're just more or less pissed off that, that the fox got away and were pissed off at me because I probably caused a distraction but it was it was concerning um but i think having basic wildlife knowledge and how to manage wildlife is something that anyone should have before they go camping i have very very little patience for people that choose to go backpacking or camping and don't have any understanding of how to handle an animal that they run into oh for sure i I feel like that's something you should just know i feel like you should also bring a book on plants and (laughs) fresh drinking water and a makeshift filtering system if needed like I feel like there's certain things that if you're going to go backpacking and camping um you should just come prepared yeah yeah like I and that sounds judgy but I sorry like I I think there's no excuse otherwise well there's been too many instances in real world where people have got lost and died because they made dumb decisions well, or like, you know, people go and they camp places where there's mountain lions and get mad when the mountain lion attacks them. And I was like, well, you know, like, or bear, you're in their territory. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what the hell? Like, you know, they're out, we're outnumbering them. Trust me, it's okay. Bears aren't going to, you know, have a coup and take over the province or right. the countries. So, you know, this is their land. And if you come into their territory, shit's going to happen. So you, you need to proceed with caution and don't feed them and do other stupid shit that people do. Right. So anyway. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like that, uh, one of the things I was gonna bring up is, uh, I was kind of looking originally for like history of survival films mm-hmm. and it was kind of tough to pinpoint cause most survival films fit in different types of genres. So it's harder to find them. But the one, the old, one of the oldest ones that I found that fit, especially in the backpacking, uh, theme that we're talking here is deliverance from 1972 which is four city-dwelling friends decide to get away from their jobs, wives, and kids for a week to canoe in rural Georgia. When the men arrive, they are not welcomed by the backwoods locals who stalk the vacationers and savagely attack them in the woods. Reeling from the ambush, friends attempt to return home but are surrounded by dangerous rapids and pursued by a madman. Soon their canoe trip turns into a fight for survival. And so, yeah, this one is just like exactly that. It's getting lost in the woods when you are in a panic trying to run away from someone that's attacking you. I mean, obviously the whole backwoods locals things probably like, it's probably way it's over. like Hills have eyes. Not Hills have eyes. Wrong turn before wrong turn was a thing. Right. <laughs> that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but Burt Reynolds was in this Burt Reynolds and like John yeah. Boyd, man, that must've been a sexy movie. This is like 1972. They would have been like super hot. Oh, and like, I'll say Burt Reynolds looked very good. Right? I can just imagine. And But yeah, this one was a very tense film that, yeah, just kind of showed like the situations of trying to survive in these situations, um, especially when it comes to the uh, canoeing on the rapids, like have how to uh, navigate through them and everything. It just was a, uh, if you didn't know what you were doing, you would, you know, hurt yourself and drown. Absolutely. Rapids are super dangerous, man. Like this is, wow. It sounds like it was a really good film. Do you recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. I absolutely do. Because I watched it for the first time this week and it was, I really enjoyed it. And it's a classic for a reason and like it's iconic. 
I definitely recommend it. And it, I figured it fit fairly well with this. Um, now, the other one I wanted to talk about was one from 2011 called A Lonely Place to Die. Mm. Uh, while hiking and climbing in the Scottish Highlands, a group of five mountaineers discover a young Serbian girl buried in a small chamber. In the attempt to get the girl to safety, they become caught up in a terrifying game of cat and mouse with the kidnappers. Uh, one thing I have, I have noticed a lot when it comes to these films that are based like backpacking and woods and all that seems to be a theme of hunting and being hunted. Yeah, it seems to be a big thing. And yeah, like once again, when you're in panic mode, it's kind of hard to figure out what, what you would do when you're being hunted down, hunted by others. But like, yeah, like what would you think of like if you came across this like weird underground chamber and found this girl trapped in it? Well, I would probably do exactly what these guys are going to do and try to save her. Um, of course, like that's not even a, a, a second guess. And I assume if I'm a mountaineer, I got experience. Like if these guys are hiking and climbing in the Scottish Highlands, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so I would feel pretty confident in it, but at the same time, I would almost be wondering if it was a trap, which I'm wondering if it was bait that she was there. But man, like I would, I would probably take her and do my best to get back to civilization and I don't know, hope that I could get somewhere with a cell phone. And the moment I got somewhere with a cell phone signal, I'd be calling the authorities. Like, yeah, that was like one of their issues is, of course, cell phone signal out there was very sketchy. But they would have known that going in there. Yeah. You know, so like I would, I think that that's one thing with movies like this. I think if you're experienced mountaineers, you would know where there's cell phone signal and you would know where there's not. Yeah. You know, and you would know where to go. So that would be my only argument here. But I, I, yeah, without seeing the movie, I could say that's probably what I would do. Yeah, and I'll say that's pretty close to like how they react and everything too in the film. And like this one is one of those, uh, kind of like what you were talking about with uh, the decline where these people are very experienced and doing everything right. Just, uh, you know, sometimes bad things happen. Like uh, one of the guys gets, uh, they, one of the people gets separated from the group and have to find their way back. And they're like trying to mark their way as they're going, trying to figure out the path. Cause once you get lost in the woods, it can be very hard. Oh, yeah, Everything looks the same. Yeah. And then another situation was them, these experienced mountain climbers and, one makes the wrong little step and falls to his death. Yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah, like there, and and this is one of those other instances too of where people are running and trying to hide for cover, and they trip and fall over roots and stuff, which I was bringing up as part of the dangers in the beginning. Because yeah, like it broke someone's leg when they were running away, and they they were hobbled for the rest of the movie. You know, I had that happen. I went to a place called Algonquin Park with some friends um, years ago now, years ago, and we went on a hike and it was, you know, this is a provincial park. So, and we were on, you know, trails and I fell and I, I hurt my ankle and I thought I was fine. And I walked on it and I, and I, it was, it was a good walk. It was probably at least a good 10 kilometers. I got back to the campsite. I sat down. I went to stand up. I couldn't. Oh, wow. It, swill, it was swollen. Um, I was in so and we got a rainstorm that night and we were right on the water and the rain was coming into the tent and my boyfriend at the time who I'm still actually good friends with to this day bless his heart he was like we're not staying here like I was in tears I was crying so hard because it hurt so bad um, and my buddy drove a Mustang and I got the front seat and my boyfriend who was a big dude at the time and this other dude that we were with sat in the back of this little Mustang and we all drove home for three and a half hours Wow. And I, yeah, I remember being in, and I was in safety, you know, like we could get into a car and leave. And even though the mountain range, the, not mountain rangers, the park rangers gave us shit because they were just assholes. Um, 
you know, it was, it sucked. So I can't imagine being in the middle of nowhere and something happening and you getting hurt. Yeah. And how do you deal with it then? Yeah. Cause like, what, what would you do? You're like miles right. and miles and miles away from any type of help. Right. So like that's, that's the dangers of mother nature, especially in the woods. And it makes for a good movie, right? Because it's that unpredictability of, you know, a natural environment that we're exposing ourselves to that is really we're at the mercy of. Yeah. And I believe the next movie is the one that you did some yeah. research on. Yeah. So Preservation is a 2014 horror film. And it basically has a, a husband, his wife, and his brother going out to a secluded forest and they do a hunting trip. And this is something I guess they do yearly. They're trying to help. So the couple's trying to help the brother who's suffering from some PS, so PTSD. Um, and then, of course, the you know, someone comes and steals their stuff, right? So someone comes and steals their stuff and begins to hunt them down one by one. And the one, the brother who is, you know, former army sergeant who has all this experience, he gets knocked off within the first 20 minutes of the film. Yeah. So it's basically this husband and this wife trying to survive. And they go to this abandoned ranger station. No one's there. The husband creates a distraction so the wife can take off because, of course, she's pregnant. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> add to the, like, already mounting issues that are going on and it's these three boys that are no older than maybe 16 or 17 that are just causing chaos and killing these people so they're trying to compete against you know the elements because she's doesn't know where she's going never been there before so she's trying to survive that and also trying to survive these kids and eventually she does overtake them but all the choices that were made in that for novice people I think made sense. Even the experienced guy, how he ends up getting killed, you don't really see coming. Yeah. You know, he thinks that this guy is dead and then another one shows up. It's fair that you would think there's only one predator. You wouldn't think that there's three. Um, and he's also someone who's suffering from PTSD, so he could easily, you know, not be fully in his right mind. And I just felt the movie was really well filmed with using nature as a obstacle and then as the hunter. So it's almost like we got this forever hunter get hunger games mentality. Yeah. Right? People being hunted in the wilderness. So I, I don't know. Did you see this movie? I can't remember. I did. I actually and watched it like uh, for, in prep for the show. And did what did would you do what they did here? Was there anything that really stood out to you? Yeah, I think like the decisions that were made, especially uh by the wife when she was telling her husband, You are too injured with your leg. Yes. Stay here and hide. I'm gonna be the one going and getting help. I'm not hurt. Like the decisions that she made and had made making him stay at like the ranger station, of course, he's being a stubborn guy, didn't listen. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. but like having him stay there at that ranger station, like hiding out, that was like the best idea for him with his injury and like her to go on this trek herself because she also was smart, found that map and wrote everything on her arm and like Yes, which was really smart. Yeah. So like I yeah, I think she was probably even like I wouldn't have even thought of shit like that. So like I probably I probably would have got my ass killed. But I think they made the right choices in this. God, I would have been dead in the first 20 minutes, too. Um, that's what would have happened. And uh, someone else would have survived. Kenneth would have survived. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, Kenneth would have survived. Um, and Desolation, did I say that right? Uh, desolation. This, thank you. Desolation, 2017. A young mother goes into the remote wilderness area with her son and her best friend to scatter, to scatter her late husband's ashes, and then they get stalked. So they get stalked by this hiker who eventually kills and guts like an animal the the friend oh, and wow. then 
chases the mother and the son and the mother and son have a little bit of a power balance so clearly they have hiked before because the moment the mother finds out that the friend is missing they they go into the mode of i need to get my son out of here i need to get safety like she does all the things where you're like yes that's the right thing to do yes that's the right thing to do right like she's making choices that make sense but then panic begins to take over and at one point her son and her both kind of team up together to take down this guy but there's some separation that occurs it's a very good film that looks at a parent and child relationship accepting the child has become somebody that has an opinion and a voice and that you can't shelter from and that they have to work together to get out of the situation that they're in so the wilderness kind of adds to it because the mom has knowledge but so does the son and this hiker has advanced knowledge and together they're trying to outsmart him Interesting. Yeah. So I think everyone in this film does the right thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with what anybody does um, in that situation. I don't know what you would do. Like, yet again, most people would be like, well, I wouldn't go backpacking in the middle of nowhere. I know people that love backpacking. Oh, for sure. And they, they do that shit all the time. Like, because we have Algonquin Park, people will go out on canoe trips to the middle of the park, to the middle of nowhere. So this could happen. Like all this stuff could happen. So it's just really, really interesting. And I like this realism horror piece of where they bring in real life situations that could occur and how people would actually react. Right. Yeah, that's, this sounds like a very interesting, tense movie. It's a real movie. You know, like you watch this and you go, yeah, this could probably occur. There could be some psycho in the woods that would chase you. And, you know, how he kills them and how he gets them is, is like, yeah, that could happen. Oh, I believe it. Right. Like it's, it's not like Jason Voorhees, right? Like it's, it's a little more realistic than that. And then our final movie that really, well, for this section anyway, that isn't really realistic, but is a really good film is The Ritual 2017. Yes. Have you seen it? I have. I really love this movie. It's a good movie. I really liked it too. Uh, so basically it's based on five university friends that experience a tragedy where one of their friends are killed. Um, and I believe four of them then go away because there's five and then four, one gets killed. So four yep. go away. Yep. And they go to scatter the ashes and one of them hurts their ankle. So they think I'm going to take a shortcut. They look at the map. We'll just go through the forest. And this does get very supernatural because it's more of a creature feature, but things get creepier as they go. So they start to see a sacrifice. They each get picked off one by one. They eventually end up in a village area. Uh, so obviously this is all, this whole section hopefully was full of spoilers. I know Scott would have put that in the notes, but yep. it's full of spoilers. And one survives at the end. Ironically, the one that did nothing in the convenience store when his friend was murdered at the beginning scene, uh, but he's the one that survived by basically standing up to the creature, I guess you could say, in a very dramatic ending at the end of it. Yeah, with a horrifying freaking creature, too. Yeah, the creature, and it was great. We probably should have used this for a creature feature. But would you go through the woods? I think if we rewind back to where all this shit went down before it got supernatural, would you go through the woods or would you be like, let's just stay to the path? Dude can put up with it. I would be saying let's stay to the path. Cause <laughs> yes! I, I know when you go into unknown woods and try to find your way around, you're going to get lost. and make things Right? Right? That was the one thing I never... I love that movie. Don't get me wrong. I, I would rewatch it. I have no beefs with it. I get why they made the decision they made. But I put myself in that situation. So my friend hurts her ankle because he was still able to walk on it. Yeah. Like, it was it was kind of the whiner of the group, too. So I understand that as well. But I would have been like, dude, let's try to support this the best we can. Because I didn't feel like they had a lot of training either when it comes to, like, 
first aid stuff or anything like that? No, one thing I probably would have done is at least enter the woods a little bit mm. to see if I could find a big enough branch to use as a crutch. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. And that would at least to help him keep his balance while he's walking and I have to put too much weight on his ankle. So you would probably enter the woods to the fact that you could still see the outside. Yeah. Right, you would not want to go further than that. Nope, I would just kind of scan like nearby and see what I can find. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I've had to do that before when I've hurt my ankle out in the woods, like at my buddy's house. I just had to like kind of scan around for a branch to kind of balance myself as I was walking. Were you by yourself in that situation? Uh, I had a couple friends with me. And did they help you? Like, yeah, they they, they looked for a stick. No, they just they were like, good luck! <laughs> well, they, they weren't going to carry my fat ass. <laughs> carry your fat ass. All right, so why don't we, we move on? Because we got, got a lot of cover, so... Yeah, Um. so the... Next one that we'll bring up in environment wise is surviving in the desert and what like what are some of the dangers there? Uh, so dangers in the desert is very dangerous snakes and insects. Oh my god, like everything's gonna kill you in the desert. Yeah, uh, very little rainfall, so you're not mm-hmm. gonna have much to drink if you don't if you're not prepared. Uh, intense sunlight and heat, which will cause heat stroke and delirium wide and fast temperature range so you'll be mm-hmm. like super hot and then freezing cold at night that's vegas for you right there yeah i, I don't i i've never been there but i know that just from One stories. Day when you're living your best life yep exactly <laughs> uh very sparse vegetation so not much room for shade high mineral content uh sandstorms mirages and just like the absolute lack of water and like the very difficult to walk on terrain and one movie that I found for this that I figured was very fitting was It Stains the Sands Red from 2016. Uh, this is uh, about a virulent pandemic that sweeps the globe from end to end like a pitiless scourge, leaving behind legions of freshly animated decomposing zombies. Under those circumstances, in the carcass of a leveled Las Vegas, a totally unprepared exotic dancer, Molly, <laughs> crosses the rugged terrain of the unforgiving desert driven solely by the will to survive and a motive even greater than her own life. However, she's not alone. Like a powerful flesh magnet, Molly attracts a ferocious undead male who follows her uh, without stopping. So she is literally trapped in the desert after her car gets wrecked and her boyfriend gets eaten alive by one of these zombies. And she's miles, like hundreds of miles away from anywhere, it seems. So she just starts walking and like, ends up unfortunately attracting one of the slow shambling zombies <laughs> like so she is just constantly like walking faster than him but at the same time where she can't where she needs to take a rest he doesn't so he's continuously wanting to move so there'll be times where she's having to run at full speed in the middle of the desert to get so far ahead of him that she can like find somewhere to hide and take a nap for just a little bit to get some fresh air or to get caught up and rested and then wake up and the zombie is there again Wow. And you can see, like, the toll that this heat's starting to take on her because, like, she's starting to get cracked skin. Like, she's becoming very parched. She's starting to hallucinate. She's starting to become delirious. Like, starts, she actually ends up giving the zombie a name and, like, starts talking to it like it's her friend as she's walking. Like, it's very fascinating how, like, showing, like, the deterioration of, like, someone as they're, like, stuck in this, like, Las Vegas blazing heat in the middle of the day how does she stay hydrated i think she ended up like being smart and brought a couple water bottles with her 
Okay. And like put him in like a bag on her shoulder. And so she was able to stay hydrated that way for a while. And then I'm trying to remember, but I think she ends up like, I think it ends up raining at night and like she finds like a little puddle of water and is able to like survive off of that for a little bit to get to her, to get to civilization. Wow. Okay. But yeah, I just thought that was a very interesting one and it like fit a lot of the like things that would happen during like that type of situation with the mirages and all that. I think it really shows like the suffering that she had to go through. Wow. I don't even know what I would do in that situation. Like that's my worst nightmare. I don't, I would die of heat stroke. I don't like yeah. that's like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't in that situation. Like I like obviously there's things you can do to try to keep cool, but in the middle of the desert, like it's so unforgiving. Yeah, I'll say not only are you stuck in an environment that's very unforgiving, you have a freaking unstoppable monster that's just doesn't get tired following you. <laughs> which just pushes you forward even more. Like COVID nineteen. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. That's so how does she survive? Uh, she ends up making it to civilization by just always keeping a few steps ahead. She ends up finding a a truck along the way that also broke down, but had like uh that looked like it got attacked by zombies at a different point. Oh, okay. And it had a uh, inner tube, like a uh, like for tubing, like on the water. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And so she ends up getting close enough to the zombie that's following her, and then puts the tube over top of him and like pins his arms, and then she ends up because she's basically gone delirious and talks to him like it's her friend. She actually like has a rope tied to it and is just dragging the zombie along, talking to him. And he's like, sitting there just still trying to bite her, but he's like so far behind. He can't do anything now. So she kind of like, she's kind of pretty much uh, just defanged him in a way. So he's not like as much of a threat. And then, yeah, she ends up making it to uh, a military base where a lot of the survivors are. That's interesting. Wow. Cool. That's very fascinating movie. Like I, especially because it's pretty much her and the zombie, the whole movie. Yeah, I like how we choose random movies here that aren't well known. Um, I think that's important, right? Like to yeah. pull different movies into it. So the last one, and I'll talk really briefly about it, is Downrange. I did talk about it a couple weeks ago. Basically, it's a bunch of kids go out, and I think they're in like desert-like conditions, and they their their car blows a tire, and then they end up getting taken out by a silent sniper. So some things that I thought was really smart. So on the sniper's end, they shoot the cell phone off of a selfie stick Yeah. <laughs> when they're trying to get a signal. I thought that was really smart. One of the characters uses a video shot from his cell phone camera to determine the sniper's position. I thought that was really smart. One of the characters receives a, gets a toolbox and duct tapes a metal lid to his arm for protection in order to try to change the, the tire. I thought that was really smart. Um, the sniper shoots the character through his hand when he goes to take a sip of water, which is such an asshole thing to do. And yeah, pretty much crippling them. Crippling them completely. Uh, two of the characters set fire to the SUV that is also in an accident to create a smoke scene. And probably one of the dumbest moves of the movie is someone is firing a gun and the bullet jams and they take one more shot and it shoots them in the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I thought that that movie alone really showed, you know, it was quick to the punch. It's a sniper-based movie. These kids are in the middle of nowhere trying to survive, and those are the smart things that they do, and there's some small other dumb things that they do, like running out, you know, running, thinking that they're going to get somewhere, and they don't, and getting shot, but the gun backfiring on one of the characters, like, man, that just summed up that movie. Like, it was just ridiculous, so... It totally was, and yeah, like, and it shows the danger of the heat exhaustion and all that stuff, like, because, I mean, they're, 
barely like holding on because they need that water and all that. Oh yeah, and like they're panicking with a sniper and stuff like that there too, right? It's just a really good movie. And then I guess our last one is the ocean. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, this one I'll bring up some of the dangers that you could happen while being stranded in the ocean. Uh, so if you're on a boat or whatever, you'd have possibly a chance of person going overboard or lost at sea. You have the heavy weather emergencies such as the storms and hurricanes and like just high, high winds that could be very detrimental. Canoe disabled due to capsizing, swamping, or breaking apart. So yeah, any like boats busting apart and then you're stuck out in the water. Uh, possible fire on the boat. Uh, personal injuries. You got illness. You got collision and haul damage. You got running aground, dehydration, hypothermia, and exhaustion slash drowning. Like those are some of the, the many such bad situations that could happen while you're out like in the sea. You know, in the movie that you chose had basically all this but fire and collision. Right. I not, I did not see this one, so I just pretty much got some information. Oh, man, I've seen this movie. Yeah, I was going to try watching it, but I didn't want to rent it. <laughs> it's, um, I like it. It's a heavy watch. That's what I heard, and I just wasn't ready to do another heavy watch just yet. But I, this is one I will definitely have to watch at some time. But the, wa- the movie we are talking about is uh, Open Water from 2003 which I feel had most of these elements like Heather had just said. Uh, so it's about uh, Daniel and Suzanne embark on a tropical vacation with their scuba diving certifications in tow. During a group dive, the two separate themselves from the others to dive a little deeper. An incorrect headcount suggests the entire group is returned, so the boat reparts. When the pair resurface, they make out a vessel in the distance, but it does not immediately set in that they have been left behind with sharks l- lurking beneath their survival chances grow smaller. So, for one, being stranded at sea, like, I, in this movie, did they have, like, the, well, no, they were diving, so they probably didn't even have, like, life preservers or anything, did they? Um, I think they were able to tread water somehow and save float, and I don't really know how, because okay. um, this is based off of a true story, right? Yeah. Like, loosely based off of a true story, obviously, because we don't know what happened to the divers. But it is a really, really sad film, and... You, you watch, like, there's the shark in this, but there's also the dehydration because they're in salt water. Yeah. Because it's the absolute worst. The starvation, the hypothermia, and you're just watching these two people panic for an hour and a half. Yeah, that would be really tough one to watch. It is. It's very anxiety driven. The acting is very good. And honestly, I look at this situation and I've thought about it and I saw it in your notes. I thought, man, this is interesting. I don't know what I would do. Yeah. In this particular situation, like you're in the middle of the freaking ocean. Like what would you do? All you can really do is tread water. I would probably hope for a quick death, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like that's probably all you could do at that point. I maybe like cut my arm and hope a shark would come. Well, the, the shark will just bite you and then you'll just bleed out. So it won't really matter. Um, yeah. I hope that an ocean liner is going to find me or maybe try to swim with the current. Like I'm not savvy enough to know where the current is. Right. And there's a lot yeah. of movies like this. The reef is like this too, where they're trying to get back to shore. And I think it's just one of the scariest things. I think out of all the places to be lost in. So we look at the snow. Um, we look at, the forest we look at the desert we look at the water i prefer to be in the forest yeah i feel like in the forest i could get shelter i could get water i could get food yep that is where i have the most survival knowledge right next would be winter if i'm dressed for the elements 
because I can still get the same things minus it's cold. Yeah. Um, and then desert and then water because like in this movie, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else I could have done. Like, I don't, it's basically a movie of watching two people slowly die. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like to be honest with you, that's really what it is. So. I mean, cause in on, on all honesty, like being stranded out in the middle of an ocean, you don't have many options, but to pretty much just hope for someone to find you or die. Like, yeah. You can't really rely on your survival skills because there's not much you can really do. Which is why it makes it such a good horror movie. Yeah. You know, like, really, if we look at a survivalist horror theme, this is why it does so well. And some people love this movie, some people don't, and that's fine. But it's smart because it plays in an atmosphere that is unavoidable and detrimental. Like, what, how are you going to avoid it? Like, how are you right. going to get out of this situation? You're not. You're not going to get out of this situation. So... You know, it's a really, really good movie for that purpose, but it's a really hard watch. Yeah, and that I believe. I, I, I will have to watch this and get back to, like, bring it up on one of our shows just so I can say I've finally seen it and give right. my thoughts. But, yeah, I just found this one to be, like, the one that fit mostly with the dangers of being stranded. And it sounds like a situation I would never want to be in. Um, well, you probably uh, never put yourself in. I don't know if you ever would go diving. It, yeah, like, if I was going to go diving, it'd be, like, by the shore <laughs> you'd be like i'll would. go snorkeling yeah exactly <laughs> or i'll be out there with a professional and make sure that it's not like a large group just a small group of people i remember one time i'd been snorkeling out in the ocean as i went on a cruise with my parents when i was 17 and we went to um, a bunch of different islands and i can't remember the island that we were at now it was one of the last islands that we went to so i want to say maybe it was curacao or saint lucia and we went out on this diving boat and it was like, it was a snorkeling boat, right? And they had rum punch and stuff like that on there. So we went out and, and we were doing some divings with some fish and stuff like that. But then we had to come back because the water was getting choppy and people had been drinking all afternoon. Not me, because I was, you know, 17 with my parents and right. I didn't want to chance it. So, but I remember thinking, oh man, this is going to be a rough ride. I better find a way that I can just go with the waves because the waves were getting bigger and we were in a smaller boat. And I went to like the front of the boat and I was able to kind of just lie down a little bit on the side. And I remember just closing my eyes and just letting myself flow with the waves, like the up and down motion. And I could hear people puking over the side. Oh, wow. I, like it, Cause you got to think we've been drinking. Right. And the hot sun. Right. And my cousin was with us and my cousin was about five years older than me. And I think she like locked herself in the downstairs bathroom and just puked the entire time. She had been out partying the night before and then she went on this fucking like, oh, geez. Right. So that was and we were pretty close to shore, but we had to get back to the boat and to whatever. And it was it was it was an adventure. Like, I still remember that feeling of these big waves and me going up and down and just thinking, just ride with the waves, Heather, just ride with the waves. Um but yeah, I can't imagine going out like what these guys did to the middle of nowhere and snorkel and uh, scuba diving. Yeah, no, much different I'm, experience. I'm good. Right? I, I have good a friend that, that cave dives actually, and that's crazy too. Yep, not doing that one either. <laughs> <laughs> we could have gone over that one too, cave diving. There's going to eventually be a movie about those kids that got stuck in that cave. Um, forget which country it was in, but the soccer team. Yeah. Right. And like how they, and only one diver got killed and they managed to get all the kids out. Like that story to me is still crazy. That's, yeah. That is like somehow they've figured out a way to survive during all that. And it well, just, not just saying how, how they got him out. Like the, the, yeah. like, like, like the route to get them out. I don't know if you remember watching it at the time, but they showed a map and I was like, oh my God, like these 12 year old boys are going to have to somehow 
get through these really, really small, like open water too, like those small uh, spaces to swim through. Like that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I would be dead, you know? Right. <laughs> That'd be one of those situations where I'd be fucked. Right. So anyway, as you've learned today, uh, don't listen to Scott and I watch some of these movies and take some picks from them and watch other ones and think, gee, maybe I should just never put myself in that situation. <laughs> right. Perhaps I won't go and do that final ride on the ski hill. Perhaps I won't go scuba diving off of the coast of Australia. Uh, perhaps I will not get lost in the desert and get chased by a zombie. Perhaps I, I won't go backpacking without the proper supplies. So, but these films give us that risk of doing those things in the safety of our own living room, couch, bedroom, wherever you choose to watch your films. And that's why we love them. Exactly. I'll say it's that realistic fear, thing, like something that could actually happen. And that's what, you know, gives you that adrenaline rush. Absolutely. It absolutely. Just like people that listen to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes, it gives them that adrenaline rush for sure. So our final segment of our podcast uh, this evening is Out of the Dark. And we wanted to talk about the rise of the drive-ins. Yes. So um, I've been to drive-in theaters many a times, uh, more when I was actually younger and a couple of times with friends. We would all carpool or get into one car and go to the drive-in and sneak in snacks and stuff like that and hang out. And um, never did I ever go one-on-one with a nail caller. Um, oh, I'm shocked. I know, right? Like, literally, that was the conversation that we had where I'm like, no, 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 no. I actually haven't been and made out of the drive-in. But I've always thought drive-ins were cool. And, and like, some of them seem kind of, like, tacky, right? Because you drive in there and you pay. Sometimes it's by the car load. Sometimes it's per person. It depends on the drive-in you go to. And then you park and you kind of get, like, the shitty sound with your radio. Because at the time when I used to go, we used to have this, like, you know, when you had to bring your disc player and, like, the little cassette thing and put it into the car? Oh, yeah. Make CDs play. Oh, well, um, mine was even worse than that. Oh, yeah? What did you have? We had – there was no radio station for ours at first. What we what? had was we would pull up in our parking spot and there would be a pole outside and there would be this cheap-ass speaker – that you would grab and you would hook it to the inside part of your window of your car. Oh wow! No, we had we had the radio station. Yeah, the radio station came for us came a little bit later, like for some of the experiences I had. So when did you start going to the drive-in, Scott? Well, I do remember um, going to the drive-in with my stepbrother and his mother. So it would be my, I guess, kind of sort of stepmom in a way. We rode in her hatchback, so we got to like. Be, we were like maybe five, six years old, sitting in the Aww. very, very back seat. We got to watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on the uh, drive-in screen. Wow, that's, that's been super cute. Oh, uh, it was. I, yeah, we were cute kids. I, I can say that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then it was years and years and years and years later when I was 21, 22, that I started going with a bunch of coworkers. Uh, when I worked at Ruggiero's, the Italian restaurant, Every Sunday night for like most of the summer, we would go to the Miracle Twin drive-in that no longer exists anymore here. Mm. And we'd usually just watch like the most popular big screen movies because no one was big into horror films like I was. So we'd see like Too Fast, Too Furious, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, The Incredible Hulk and stuff like that. But one of my fun experiences with that was that was the age of Party Scott. So I would always go pick up... uh, two of my buddies that didn't work with me and we would go and sit far away from my boss and everybody else and we'd have like eight joints rolled up and a 12 pack of beer in the car and oh, nice. 
we would just get lit and like we couldn't even see the movie after a while because we clam baked our car and it was just nothing but smoke. <laughs> that sounds really funny. And like, oh, man. Well, then after a while, we get the munchies and get out and go get food and like go wander off and talk to everybody else. But yeah, you'd those... be like, we'll have 16 hot dogs, please. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, so we, that, that was my partying days. And then I didn't go again for probably a good, yeah, I'd say 13, 14 years. And uh, then around the time that my brother passed away, my ex-wife wanted to take me out just to kind of get my mind off of things and just kind of take a date night. And we went and seen Suicide Squad and uh, Lights Out. It was at the drive-in that's closer to us that I've never been to before, which was a really nice place. And yeah, that, one, that's, that was my time of experience in using the radio. Oh, very nice. And yeah, as, as that's a sad memory for me to think of but at the same time it's the last time i've been to the drive-in and drive-ins are now open again and doing really well now it seems it's like they found their calling with social distancing i feel like they're like now here's our chance to rise and shine i um myself the first drive-in i went to was when i was just a baby heather and i was uh eight years old and we were we used to go to a place called Wasega Beach. I'm actually going up to Wasega Beach in a couple of weeks. I booked a cottage that I will be going to stay at for a couple of nights and Yay. get hammered and smoke a lot of pot. So, because like I'm I'm like Scott at 21 at 37. Um, <laughs> so I go to the bars because that's how I roll. So anyway. Um, when I was eight, though, we used to go to Sega Beach, and we had some other friends, and we all went to the drive-in, and my parents had this badass station wagon, there was a bunch of kids, and there was these cornfields, and we, being ranging from ages eight to, like, 12, and I think the youngest was, like, 10, or maybe I was a little bit older, maybe I was 10, we decided to go running through the cornfields. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we were running through the cornfields. I don't know why our parents let us do that. It wasn't... <laughs> probably it, not safe it was and private. get lost. Well, it was private property, too, right? As we found out, because the farmer came in his tractor Uh-oh. and was like, what are you kids doing here? We were like, ah! And we're like running back to all you can see is these <laughs> cornfields, right? It was like a horror movie. It was like, ah! it was like It was like Friday, the remake, where he shows up at the at the cornfield party or no jason oh, jason oh, freddy versus, versus jason yeah freddy versus jason where he shows up at the cornfield party yeah. that's what it was like only like kids and we're like <laughs> running through we're like oh my God! right and we weren't lit on fire or anything like that <laughs> um well that's remember, good and i remember yelling the farmer's coming the farmer's coming <laughs> right like and i and like trying to get out of this cornfield anyway we obviously made it out of the cornfield and our parents or did you <laughs> or did we <laughs> um and our parents were none the wiser and then the other times i went with or with friends um i never went on like a date night or anything like that and, but yeah we would have a great time we would just go and sit and go and and buy snacks and stuff and like the drive-ins would always do those movie marathons which is ironic because you'd be in your car and they'd go to like three or four in the morning yeah drive home afterwards when you think about it it was probably not the best idea but there's two people that really go to drive-ins a lot and it's JP and Carly. So JP from 22 shots, his and her, uh, Carly from his and her, as well as celluloid dissections and M versus M podcast. And she does another one, doesn't she? Oh, his and hers. Yep. Netflix and chill as well. Netflix and chill as well. With JP. And they go out to drive-ins and I think it's super badass. They were actually at one last weekend. Yeah. They got to see uh, the back to the future trilogy. 
Yeah, I thought that was really awesome. And they wear like Jason hats and shit. Like they're cool dudes, man. They're cool, cool people. So anyway, um, yeah. So like, I think the drive-ins are really bringing, you know, are bringing sexy back and this is their time, you know? And I think it's great that we still have them because who would have thought in a million years, we'd be like, well, we want to go see a movie. Guess we got to go to the drive-in. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> right? like, I was uh, worried because for a while there, like uh, there was rumors of US 23, which is our drive-in that's like close to me now. Um, there was rumors of that one shutting down because it wasn't doing well in business. And now it's like picked up in popularity again. Uh, Cause if that one closed down, the nearest drive-in to me would have been about two hour drive. Which is, a, which is too long to go yeah. to a drive-in. Like you're not going to do that. I have two within me, within me, within this, <laughs> within, me, within me, I have a drive-in. It's great. Um, that sounds so I special. need to go to this drive-in. Inappropriate, doesn't it? It does. Anyway, within driving distance from me, I have, two drive-ins and then one that's a little bit further it's actually near my workplace uh but yeah and and they're starting to pick up and stuff and and they do have to put in specific guidelines with the physical distancing and all that kind of stuff but i'm happy to see it you know i'm happy to see that drive-ins have not played their last films and hopefully we'll be able to survive this uh this new world they're they're equipped yeah and i uh the one thing that i will say that's kind of cool and it's start i think it's starting this weekend is it's uh, picked up in popularity, at least with more drive-ins picking it up. But the original Evil Dead is coming to drive-ins all over the U.S. I don't know if it's making it to Canada at all. But uh, apparently, closest one to me is about yeah about two hours away at the like far end of Detroit, and it's with uh, Evil Dead and I Drink Your Blood back to back. And I'm Whoa. like, that's freaking cool. I wish I could uh, go to that, but such a long drive and wouldn't be getting home till so freaking late but it is very tempting if i had someone to go with but unfortunately at this time i do not well who knows you know everyone's been cooped up for a long time scott people are gonna want to get out more it's true maybe eventually but i don't think i'll find anybody by this weekend <laughs> love is it well you don't have to find a life partner you just have to find a night partner right <laughs> those are few and far between at this moment but maybe maybe friday night i can go out try to mac and it's hard Saturday. to be, and be like, hey, girl, you want to go to the drive-in? <laughs> well, I'll go see what's your favorite scary movie. Oh, my favorite. Then you can offer some pot like you did with the other. You want to get high? Are you high? Are you high? Scott making his moves. Um, but yeah, anyway, yay to drive-ins. Hopefully they continue and hopefully other movie theaters open too, but bless them drive-ins for giving us something to do. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm hopefully going to hit him up a couple times this summer just to show my support one way or another. And bring his case of beer and some pot. Yeah. It's going to be I like, glory days. Oh, fuck off. Yes, you do. No, <laughs> don't not, even no, try that no, with not me. The, <laughs> not the bringing a case of beer and weed into like my car. Now I'd be doing that stuff at home. You wouldn't, you wouldn't bring a couple of roadies and have them at the drive-in I might bring, a joint. I might bring like a flask and a joint, just not a case of beer. because like, I can't drink that much beer anymore and drive. No. <laughs> You'd be like passed out. They'd be like, sir? You'd be like, no, no, just let me sleep here tonight it, in the backseat. It's good. <laughs> and just, just, some, just for clarification, I never did drink and drive. Just want uh -huh. to put that out there. I, I got so how, buzzed. How did, how did you get home, Scott? Well, it was about... <laughs> Let's see, we chugged the beers halfway through the first movie and then sobered up for the next three hours. <laughs> sure, Scott. Okay, Scott. 
Scott just doesn't want to tell us that he was actually, I still know what you did last summer was actually, I know I know what you did last summer was based on him. <laughs> no, I was a resp- I've only drove, I've only drove drunk a couple times, one time driving with one eye open and that was a scary experience and I never wanted to do it How again. old were you then? 21, like oh, shortly after I turned 21. Just a bit. Oh yeah, it's twenty-one's the drinking age for you guys. That's yeah. right. I'm like, God, that's weird. Why do you wait two years? <laughs> like, oh, maybe because that's the legal drinking age in the states. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah, you Canadians have it easier there. Well, we have it at nineteen in Ontario, but it's eighteen in Quebec. Holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, so on that note. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, everyone, for our 10th episode. Now we're in the double digits. It's like when you turn 10 and it was such a big deal and you were super excited to turn 10. Anyway, I was. I was. Yeah, me too. I am excited I, for every birthday. I am getting excited about everything. And, and our show has turned 10 episodes. Oh, it's so adorable. I know, right? Like, I never thought we would make it. <laughs> I, I know. I thought Heather would kill me and uh, get rid of my ass by this point and be like, ah, I'm sick of his shit. No, I would have thought it'd be the other way around, actually. <laughs> um, but we've managed to develop a lot of funny stories all the way back from our original. I was thinking of our Skittle story. <laughs> when we oh, went to that yeah. theater and that kid spilled those Skittles and all you could hear was like, shh, as it slid down <laughs> me. I think you spilled like a whole monster bag of Skittles. So. Oh, I, did not, I don't think I even talked about it on that one, but I, I've experienced that too with sour Skittles. Oh, that's the worst because sour Skittles are so yum yum. They are. And it was such a waste. So yum yum in the tum tum. <laughs> um. Anyway, I I realized last show we haven't done our plugs because we haven't done much. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on It's Not Horror Okay with Nudie, Android Virus, Venom, and now yeah, and us. Um. And you can find that on Horrorphilia underneath the nfw feed i believe is where it's underneath actually i don't think it has its own separate show i think it's under nfw and also we are going to be on horror for dummies we will be recording that this weekend and that will be released at some point and have we done haven't, we haven't done anything else no we've been uh pretty uh lax on our guest spots lately just uh giving ourselves a break because we did a bunch for a while there yeah, we'll say that. Not that no one wants us. We're just giving ourselves a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not that no one has invited us. It's that we're tired. Yeah, we're <laughs> just we're just needing a break, folks. That, that's that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not them. You know, it's not it's us. us. It's it, yeah, it's no, like, it's not. It's not us. It's them. <laughs> yeah, like we got we we got dumped and we're trying to freaking you know make it they, okay. We were just, they, apparently we were just too nice. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, you're too nice. That's the problem. You're, ooh, it got really dark here, and I just realized. Yeah, it did. Wow. Ooh, I look like I'm in one of those. Um, so Scott and I are recording, and I'm sitting in my dining room area, and it totally looks like a haunted, like webcam movie. Where yeah, I was gonna say we're like an un- unfriended right now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Scott and I are the two people left alive. That would never yeah, happen. <laughs> God, I would have been killed off long ago. <laughs> we would not be the heroes. We can guarantee yeah. that much. We I don't would know, maybe, be screwed. We would be in like a horror comedy, maybe like one of those parody movies, maybe, maybe like. I could totally see that. Like you and I. But could you would be like the... it because it'd be funny, and you don't like funny things. So. Well, when you're in it, you don't know what's funny because it's just your life. <laughs> so it's like why I laugh at your life, and you don't realize why I think it's so funny. Exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, folks, on that note, uh, thank you for all your kind words and your positive feedback. We truly do appreciate it. Uh, we're continuing to grow and develop and, and all those kind of good jazz. And you will see what we have for you next time in our next episode. Until then, unpleasant dreams. See ya.